The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode number 80 of the MX Vice Show podcast, the number one podcast for reviewing MXGP action and everything that goes on in the FIM Motocross World Championship. We just concluded uh, the MXGP of Latvia, round seven, the fourth event on the bounce, and uh, it was another little twist and turn in the MXGP title fight, so we will break all of that down today, as well as uh, Motocross of Nations news, silly season news, and just about everything else. There's a lot going on in the industry at the moment, so plenty to talk about on the MXY Show, the number one podcast in Europe. As always, we would like to thank the sponsors that help us make this the number one podcast in Europe. Those being Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Moto Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. Obviously, we've got the Blenzel Performance of the Week coming up. Liat asked us anything. Many, many questions again this week. The Planet Motor Bombshell of the Week. And we may even slip in Armour You Smarter Than a Birth because it's been a while and you lot want it back. But before all of that, I'd like to remind everyone that part one of the MXY Show podcast is presented by Fly Racing and uh, their fantastic Formula Helmet. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with a Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. Uh, obviously, the Hitachi KTM fueled by Milwaukee riders weren't in Latvia. They both raced at the ACU British Championship. Conrad put the Formula helmet on top of the box with some um, dominant and actually, quite frankly, embarrassing rides uh, in MX2. He won the second motor by a minute and 12 seconds. So, it's a British Championship, everyone. Happy days. With me this week, I'm your host, Lewis Phillips, as normal. Uh, I think this is my 10th episode hosting. How time flies when you're having fun. With me is. James Burfield. Hello, Lewis. I'm here in body, uh, not sure if it's in spirit. Uh, so. Once again, for the second week in a row, this podcast is going to be a day late. For the second week in a row, blame falls 100% on you. Yeah, yeah. I, to be fair, I've, I've literally been in bed for three days. So um, not, not COVID. No one panic. Um, you will not catch COVID from this podcast. Just lazy? <laughs> I wish. I don't know. I've got some virus. So um, I've been laid pretty low. So after this podcast, I'm going straight back to bed. Well, that's, that's the spirit. I'm sure everyone's really feeling full of hope of what this podcast <laughs> is going to be like now. Yeah, so apologies beforehand. We actually were talking, weren't we? Um, last week, was a little, we, we were both pretty tired. And we said the first, first part of last week's show was a little bit uh, subpar. So no, the last part, the last part. The, the last part was it, sorry. We were a bit subpar. So um, yeah, we're trying, we, we need to take our vitamins, I think. 
Well, I'm all right. What are you taking, multivitamins? No, I'm all, I'm just um high on life, you know? High on life. you got to be focused. While you're sleeping, I'm working. And while you're working, I'm working harder. <laughs> you wish. Well, you'll be asleep after this, and I'll be going back to work, so... Uh, do you remember the time when you uh, last got ill? You ended up in hospital. Yes, your fault. <laughs> that was not my fault. It was my fault. You put your fault. You put me under too much stress. You basically, like a teenage girl, every message you sent me was just some attention-seeking overreaction, and the stress of it just killed me. What is a girl? Because I've heard of a girl, but never a girl. Well, you haven't lived. Hmm. Mm. Uh, did you watch Latvia? Yes, I did. I did. And um, the fact that nine points separated um, the top five in MXGP on the day pretty much says it all. That was great racing. Someone's, someone's got results in front of them. <laughs> oh, no, I looked at it earlier because it was so close between, um, uh, obviously, the, the five who we're constantly talking about for the title chase and keeps swapping and changing and everything else. But, um, yeah, it was good. What was it like uh, being uh, feet on the ground there? Well, my feet were on the ground there, James. And it felt like I was in Indonesia, to be honest. What? Like, very flat, if that makes sense. Like, not, that, not felt like there was, it was in Indonesia because there were many Indonesians there. There were actually zero. I was going to say. But. Was it the weather? No, it just felt like there was no... Like, in Indonesia, there's obviously very limited people there compared to Lommel. And it just felt a bit empty and a bit quiet and a bit like... I don't know, like... There wasn't much excitement in the air and there wasn't much anticipation in the air. And like, I just felt a bit like, I felt like I wanted to like stand on top of the skybox and be like, come on, everyone. It's round seven. Let's go get it. Well, it is a long walk from Riga and we do see them going through the forest with their carrier bags. I just, I don't know. I just, like, I felt like Hurlings was still racing with a fractured shoulder blade and I felt like they, that had kind of just been pushed to one side. Like, I felt like everyone was like, oh, yeah, he's fine. And I, I was like, well, that's still with, like, that's exciting, everyone. Come on. And just like, <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like, <laughs> I just felt like it was like, I don't know. I just it felt a bit flat. And the MX2 racing wasn't great. So that didn't probably didn't help. But MXGP was all right. But then once again, we didn't have many passes and we didn't have much happening. And it was, we need some passing. Turkey, <laughs> well, Turkey probably isn't going to be great for that either. But hey ho. <laughs> What's the next round after that? Sardinia, which should be Sardinia should be good. I, I to be honest, I, I, you know, I watched it. I, I enjoyed it. It was, um, it was good. Did, uh, did Hurlings just run out of steam in the second one? To be honest, James, it's Wednesday evening. I'm going to have to think back to the second moto. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I spoke to him after the race. He was really pissed off, like really pissed off. He didn't. He said that the shoulder felt a lot, lot better than um, Lommel, and you could obviously see that. I think, like he, he looked normal. He didn't. The Lom uh, second motor at Lommel, he got tired towards the end. That was clear. Or I don't know if it was tired, more pain, I think. But um, this time he was just, I think he was just following Prado at such a similar pace and there was nowhere to really pass and it was raining. So he had just settled into second, but then he obviously crashed and, um, yeah, well, threw away an overall win. But The only reason I ask that is because um, when he was coming off of the track, he, he kind of seemed to be carrying his left arm. Oh, no, bit. see, you're jogging my memory now. When he crashed, someone ran over his bad foot and he was limping bad. Jesus, this doesn't get any bad. I walked, I walked from the press room to his truck with him to do the interview and he was alongside me limping 
bad. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Right, you, you okay, like, mate? You sure you want to chat? I was just like, and like, do you, do you want to get that looked at? Like he said, he said he's got enough experience now to know when something's broken and it's not broken. I was like, well, that's the spirit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, but he said it was swollen and like a lot of pain. But um, yeah, he said that once a season, every, someone runs over it. So it's kind of like, at least that's out of the way now. So again, that's the spirit. Yeah, it's just. What, I mean, again, it's what what you take from TV. But it just seemed that when he was coming off of the of of the track, he just seemed to be like a little bit sort of hunched over and a kind of like. Yeah, I think that was the pain from himself. his foot. I think uh, that was okay. the pain from the foot. And also, his uh, yeah, he was pissed off with himself quite a lot as well because you'd think like he's right, like he shouldn't have even been in Latvia, and he lost one point to Geyser. So I would look at that as a success. But then I'm a normal person, and Herlins isn't normal with his. He's uh, gonna. He's going to look at that with, uh, he lost four points. Yes, he was fuming. He even said in, when I interviewed him, he even said like, I cannot blame anyone. What a dumbass crash. Like, well, oh, wow. like a bit harsh on yourself. Like even like, he even said, um, when you're in that position and you've got four turns to go and you just throw it away all by yourself, I really feel like an idiot. Wow. Very, um, very critical of himself. Yeah. And I was just like, it's fine. Like, it's fine. <laughs> We're all good. How's your bandwagons going? What's that? Well, how many bandwagons you got on the go at the moment? I don't know, to be honest. The the Watson bandwagon? Yeah, but we'll get to that later. We're still on we're still on the um the race at the front, you know? Oh, that bad, eh? No, just I don't know why we're going away. Just jump straight to that. I came out of nowhere. I, I was just I just want to kind of like find out how your weekend was. Oh, what's been going on? What's been going down? Not a lot. I told you it was quite quiet. I just kind of I'll tell you one thing. You know it rained in the second moto? Yeah. Holy hell, did it rain even worse like half an hour later? Really? So they got off quite lightly? When I was doing podcasts, I felt as though I needed Noah's Ark to get around. Wow. Okay. Like it was, I've not, it was like a tropical, like you know tropical rain where it's just like... What, like Indonesia? Like it's, yes! <laughs> like where it's insanely heavy. Like literally just like non-stop insanely heavy. Like it was, it was probably the worst rain I've seen in a while. If that had fallen during the second moto, then things would have gotten sloppy fast. Wow. Yeah, and it was so windy as well, like proper stormy weather. Um, if you, well, you don't listen to the podcast, but if you had, the sound quality isn't amazing because of the heavy rain and the insane wind. So, Damn. Damn. yeah, that disappointed me. But the Fly Racing Post Race podcast. Uh, who, did, who did you get this week? Uh, it, that doesn't matter, James. It's Wednesday evening. Everyone's listened to them. <laughs> okay, okay. Just, just you know, just, just interested. Fine. Well, and there was only twenty-two MX2 riders, so the options weren't as there weren't as many options as normal. What was but, the reason behind that? We'll get to that. So, anything you want to talk about right now? Yes, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to host the podcast, James. Please sit there and wait for me. <laughs> so, Herlins has done his two rounds with a fractured shoulder blade. He'll be fine. Well, quote unquote, fine when we get to Turkey uh, in four weeks' time. What? I mean, this is kind of a stupid question, but I have to ask it because Hurlings is pissed. Two rounds done. He gained points on Geyser in the bigger picture across the two rounds. Success, right? Yeah. It would have been more success if he'd got the other four. Yeah, but like, if he'd limped around and gone 9999, that kind of would have been a success because like, he's riding with a broken shoulder blade. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Agree. Yes, yeah. Agree. Because because at the end of the day, we didn't know what 
what hurlings we would see. We know that he's come back from from injuries and still won races or whatever, but the time when he fractured his leg and he still tried to ride and got, was it a tenth or something? Like it could it could quite easily have been, you know, like you say, a ten, a fourteen, a, an eight, or whatever. This is the um This is the thing that I find I think this this is what infuriates me. Because it's Hurlins, I think everyone saw that he was fine in Lommel, well, fine-ish. Like obviously, he could have gone 1-1, so that's pretty fine. And I think everyone just kind of pushed the story to one side for Latvia and was like, ah, he'll be fine. But it's like, every, just because he was really good in Lommel doesn't mean that his Latvia ride was kind of ho-hum. Both of them, he still did phenomenal things both weekends. And I feel like, even with Hurlings himself, I feel like that's really lost a little bit. Let's not kid ourselves here. The guy was on the podium twice. Geyser wasn't on the podium twice. Fevre wasn't on the podium twice. Like The guy was on the podium twice through two rounds with a fractured shoulder blade. Golf claps. Golf? Golf claps. What's golf claps? Oh. You know, like golf claps. When the, when the ball sinks and you just... Oh, little. right, okay. Have you never heard that expression? No. Oh, I use no. it quite a lot. I'm you should sure really start talking do. to me more. I'm sure you do. No, no, you got that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know whether to talk or not because you obviously want to go on your hur- hurlings rant, so I'm just going to let you go on your hurlings well, no. rant. Um, okay, let's do this then. Hurlings, 43 points down, 11 rounds to go ish. <laughs> ish, yeah. <laughs> Big ish. I think. I think we'll do 11. Actually, no, I do think we'll do 11. From all the rumours and stuff, I think we'll get 11 in. I think there's going to be a lot of double headers, but I think we'll get 11 in. Do you still feel just as good about his title chances? So 11 rounds left, yeah? Uh, yes. Uh, 50 points around. Um, so you've got, what, 550 points left? That for grabs? I don't know, James. I can barely do the simplest of math. Yeah. So you would have thought... Uh, 43 is not much over, uh, you know, between 550 points, he can claw back um, 43. And given that we, what we've seen from Prado and everybody else, people are taking points off each other. Do you want to know um, a quick little interesting stat? Let's do it. Which kind of speaks to how there are opportunities to make up points. Through 14 motos, two MXGP riders have been in the top 10 in every single moto. Can you name them? Uh, I'm going to say... You blatantly have the points in front of you. No, I don't know. I'm going to go with uh, Geyser and Seaware. One of them was right. Sewer and Prado. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, the only two riders who have been in the top 10 in every moto because Geyser had that 15th and Lockett. Karoli had that DNF um, at Russia. Fevra had a 12th in the second moto in Majora. Hurlings didn't even race three motos. Like, quite. So there has been inconsistency already. And if that's going to continue, which you'd think it would with a five way battle for the title, like it's impossible to be consistent when it's like that. Yeah, I would. Uh, I think there's going to be the opportunity for Hurlings to gain points. The biggest question would be Turkey's obviously going to favor Geyser. You would say, on paper, Turkey favors Geyser, no? Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. Well, Hurlings is undefeated there. And guys has never won there. Okay, that makes no sense. So maybe, like, because I feel like that's going to be dominate headlines. Going into Turkey, everyone's going to be like, that's a geyser track. And it is, but Hurlings is undefeated there. 
Hmm. So I would have got that one wrong if, if you're smart and a birth. Yeah, so um, who knows? Who knows what's coming up? And Riola's going to be good for hurlings, obviously deep sand. So if he can... If he can, you know what? It's, I don't. I think this is more. Of, he's more than in this title fight. Yeah, it's not over yet. Interesting that Geyser beforehand, uh, before going into Latvia, said that he was feeling the pressure at the previous two rounds, being Lockett and Lommel, and that was why he was off the podium two rounds in a row. Uh, interesting that he was clearly like overjoyed with his overall win, even though he didn't win a moto. To me. I feel like Geyser was pumped with that overall win because he was like, yes, I, I won. Like, I did it. Like, I, I'm back. To me, he was the fourth or fifth fastest rider at Latvia. But still finished the overall. Well, this, I guess this comes back to what we were saying early in the season. He's going to kill them with consistency. Yeah. Which is a great trait to have. But I would say that Hurlings was faster. I would say that Prado was faster. I would say that Caroli was faster. I would probably say that Fevre was faster. I don't know, just, I feel like he will win this title. If he wins this title, it will be through consistency. But I don't think you can look at his overall win and be like, okay, he's the number one guy. I don't think you can say that at all. Because if Caroli hadn't, if, if Hurlings hadn't crashed in that second moto, and Caroli hadn't crashed in that second moto, and did Fevra crash in that second moto? I think he did. Yeah, I think he crashed in both, didn't he? I think he, well, it's, it is Fevra, so it's probably safe to assume. If those three riders hadn't have crashed, I think Geyser would have finished fifth in that moto and would have been off the podium again. So, again, consistency is the ultimate thing. That's what win championships. So, amazing job. And I think that's going to be his biggest strength. I just think, like, hold off on the whole Geyser's the number one guy and he's back talk. Okay. James. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not excited. I'm not like, when he got the overall, it didn't like say to me, oh, he's going to go and steamroll the next four or five ranks. That, that performance didn't show anything like that. I think that's fair to say, hey? Well, here's an interesting one as well. Geyser is still the only rider to win more than one round this year. Okay. And he's still got... <laughs> clearly not that interesting. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's not as interesting. It's just that... <laughs> When he, when he hit the form like he did at the, the start of the year, Hurling's getting injured. It was just all, it all pointed towards guys who are kind of doing very, very well, um, you know, on his sort of march to the title. And then it's like you said, I think you, I don't know if you said it or it, it just, just so happens that knowing that um, Hurling's is coming back, it messed with guys a little bit, which if, if, you, if you've spoken to him and he said that is kind of um, the pressure was on a little bit because of, of Hurlins coming back and being injured and stuff. So that, that's obviously changed. I don't think we've seen, okay, he's, he, he got the overall and he got two seconds, but that was not a performance which, you know, he was like 20 seconds in the lead. Do, do you know what I mean? It wasn't a, it was a win, but it was not a, a win-win. I guess like guys that can take Geyser can go home with his head held high and be like, I won, I'm back, happy days. However, Fevra, Caroli, Prado, Hurlings can go home with their head held high as well because they can say, we're faster, just got to keep, like, we're faster, we can work with this, happy days, we've got him covered. Like, I feel like everyone can leave Latvia kind of nodding their head going, okay, 
I'm in, I'm, I've got this. This is I'm in a good place. Yeah, I think every rider in that top five is is just left Latvia going game on, like literally game on because there's there's nothing in it. So we're in a four week break now. Her, this is going to aid Hurlings because he's going to be able to recover. Well, that was going to be my question. Obviously, Hurlings. Obviously, Prado because he'll be able to like regain his fitness a little bit from the long COVID. Yep. I don't see what Geyser would gain because he's not really got any issues. I don't see what Caroli would gain because he hasn't really got any issues. Fevra? If he can figure out how to stop crashing, then I guess this break could be good. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that the others need to work on. And uh, I was quite interested when I found this out. Since Majora, Caroli has started inside of the top three in one of the eight, ten, ten motos. Okay, so you're saying basically you need to work on their gate. On their gate? Hmm, <laughs> on the start. Yeah, so Caroli has started inside of a top 10 in one of the last... No, Caroli has started inside of a top three in one of the last 10 motos. That moto, he won. So I feel like starts are hurting Caroli a little bit, and I feel like Fevra's starts are very hot or cold. Fevra's either hole-shotting and leading on that one, or he's sick. I don't feel like Fevra's really starting second or third, you know? So for those two, I feel like that's a weakness that they need to work on. And it's weird, like we say this about Geyser, I don't really feel like he's got a weakness. I feel like if Geyser can trod along as he has been, then happy days, no? Yeah, it, all, all Geyser's got to do is just keep doing what Geyser does. Keep racking up points. That's all he needs to do, stay consistent, keep racking up points. The, the, the thing which becomes an issue is like when he has a round like he did at Lommel. Because that's, that's, that's what throws this whole championship up in the air. And we kind of seen it in Italy and then we, we've, we've seen it again in Lommel. So it's like, you know that with Geyser, if, if it gets into his head, he's going to have a couple more rounds like this. Well, I would say that Lommel was more impressive for Geyser than Latvia. In, in what way? He was fast at Lommel. There was that, like I said it on the podcast last week, there was that portion in the second moto where he was three to four seconds a lap quicker than anyone else on track. I didn't see any of that in Latvia. He was very slow and steady, but that was what got him the result. Clearly, that speed wasn't very productive in Lommel. Being consistent was productive in Latvia. So again, like you can't, not in a critical way, but it was... But is that, is that Lewis, is that down to the tracks that, that guys has kind of looked at Latvia and just thought, do you know what? This is a bit sketchy out here. I'm just going to back it down. <laughs> well, this is, he said that. He said as much. He said... He has to calm down and take what he can get and stop crashing. And he did that and everyone else crashed. So, win-win. Yeah. So you've got to so kind guess, of look at this on both sides in, in the fact that uh, he could have gone flat out and took the win or he could have got a ninth if he crashed. Well, I don't even know really what I'm trying to argue here. Like, I don't know what side... I don't know what you're trying to argue, but I'm just going with it. <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm thinking is... All I'm trying to say is I don't think Geyser was the best guy in Latvia, but that's okay. Yeah. Because he... In the long run, this is what wins championships. However, don't try, don't think, oh, Geyser was, Geyser's on top again. The speed, he's amazing. He's number one because the other guys are still very much either as fast or faster. That's what I'm trying to say. Basically, what you're trying to do is a little summary of of the intro is the fact that um, you seemed a little bit aggravated that uh, people aren't going, hold on a minute. Hurlins has literally got a broken shoulder blade. Uh, people just seem to have forgot about that. So it's like he's just pulled in, um, you know, four, was it 43 points or something like that? 
for, for how many points over the last two motos? He didn't gain 43 points. No, 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 I mean, he's got 41. He was um, 51 down. He's now 43. 70. He's, he's brought in basically 84 points over two ranks, which he probably shouldn't have. You know, he, he, most riders would have just took two races off. But he's basically saved 84 points. Otherwise, at this point, he'd be down 130 points in championship over. So I understand what you're saying. No one's giving Hurlins enough credit because it's like, oh, it's Hurlins. He, you know, he's superhuman. He can get on with it. But I think the second thing is is that Geyser's done Geyser did what he needed to do the weekend. It it was not exciting. It was not something for everybody to cheer about and talk about. But he basically racked up forty four points and took the overall without needing to push. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Geyser's going to kill them with consistency. I've said it before. I'll say it again. That's his strength. Phew! I can I can breathe a sigh of relief now. We've got that sorted. Prado was a little antsy in that first moto, slammed Turlin or stuffed Turlin's pretty good uh, in the second turn. And add a little, uh, a, f- a few little RG bargies with um, Caroli as well. Everything's fine. But I spoke to him and I said to him, like, did you come in today, like, kind of like, I'm here to win? Because it kind of looked that way, obviously, because he was very aggressive, aggro. Mm. And he said, yeah, like, for his, his goal was to kind of come in and make a bit of a statement in Latvia. I Which think he first, well, first motor was a bit flat, but um, and he admitted he wasn't fast enough and just wasn't really flowing and everything. But second motor was um, a nice little pick me up for him, I think. Yeah, and I think that was quite a big thing for him to hold off Hurlins and to win it. I think he took a lot of pride in that. To be honest, yeah. I think that was a that's what he wanted to do. I think he wanted to put a little like I'm the number one guy at KTM in there. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, um, but I think Prado is also fine, like title wise. I think that. That's going to be, that will be the most interesting thing coming back from this break. If Prado comes in firing, this, the scope of how we look at this title fight could change quite quickly. Because there's only 15 points in it between. Yeah, it's nothing. It's not yeah. even worth, it's not even, it really isn't worth talking about. No. Because it's weird. Because guys have put points on everyone. I look at guys are being 13 up on Fevra and I'm like, geez, he's 13 up on Fevra. That's, that's growing. Really, that's nothing. 13 points at this stage might as well be zero. When you look at Prado's results as well, it is pretty consistent. You know, two, two firsts, two seconds, three, um, three thirds in motos. He has had the odd, you know, uh, sort of seventh, eighth or whatever, but still... Well, he's been top eight in every single moto. Yes, still been super consistent. So, um, and that's with, like, and he's been quite open, obviously in the post race podcast, with COVID. So it's still still affecting him. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Well, if he if he comes out and blitzes it, if he comes out, he's the same. Then then who knows? But it's looking good for him. Prado will be the biggest watch this space heading into Turkey. Just like watch his space as in what's going to happen, because it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out in Turkey and goes one one, and that would be a power move if he does that. Because obviously Turkey, that's quite a good that's quite a good little track for um, Prado as well. Yeah. Um, also, though, you, you can't rule out Hurlins. Well, no, but I feel like we saw how good he was with a fractured shoulder blade, so we have a pretty good idea of how good he's going to be when he's healthy. Yeah, four weeks under. We don't really know with Prado because his isn't a physical, like, isn't a bone. We don't really know. We know that Hurlings' shoulder's going to heal in this break. We don't really know what, what the healing time is going to do for Prado, if you get what I mean. Yeah. 
Crowley was a. Uh, I feel like Crowley. I thought Crowley was going to be more pissed off with his day than he was, to be honest, because I thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity. He was fast enough to win, uh, and he ended up fifth overall. Hasn't been on the podium for two rounds now as well, but he was quite fine. He was quite fine with it. I think he could have won that first moto if he'd started up front, and if he'd not crashed in the second moto, then I'm sure he would have been top three, if not higher. So I think it was a bit of a missed opportunity, but positive is his speed was really good. So. And he, he wasn't that comfortable with the track, was he? Uh, I don't think anyone was, to be honest. What was the general, is that with the general census across the board from all riders? We're, we're just not, because obviously you can only get so much from TV. So usually, uh, was it kind of like a bit sandy, but with like a super hard base with square edges? No, well, see, it rained and I, I think it just, there was kind of, it was again, just tough to pass. A little bit one line, like I don't. Caroli said that they need to put. Caroli said something which I kind of uh, blew off at the time, but I thought about it afterwards. He said that um, they need to take out some of the jumps and the some of the waves because then that would open up the track a little bit more and make it better for passing. And then I thought about it, and there isn't actually a straight on Keggums that doesn't have a jump, wave section, or roller. Okay, so you're saying like... But Whereas yeah. Matterley has quite a lot of flat straights. Lockett has quite a lot of flat straights. Lommel, you can't... Lommel's kind of its own weird thing because technically nothing's flat. It is true. Latvia does quietly have a lot of jumps and a lot of waves and a lot of man-madeness to it. Yeah. Which on a sand track isn't ideal. On Turkey, different story. But on a sand track, you kind of need a bit of those flat... flat-out sections. Yeah. Trying to negotiate a wave section or a big tabletop or something all of the time on a sand track in the rain is a bit of a nightmare. We, I mean, we discussed this before, but it would be good for you to try and get some inside, you know, a, a conversation with the people who are designing the tracks. It's a club. No one's gone to Latvia and designed that track other than the Latvian club, the Kegums club. But surely it must be a KSM. Agreed, agreed beforehand with Ustream about what track layout is. In well, yeah, for, Six years ago, when they redid the track for the nations, but it's, I don't, I don't understand what the mentality is behind this when it's the world championship and they're leaving it to each. Well, I, to be fair, I don't actually understand. I don't actually know how the process goes, but I don't know how the process goes. So, but I'll find that out for you, James, if you could, Lewis, because uh, with your journalistic qualities, I expect some some good feedback from this. I'll find that out for you, James. Maybe I'm not you even could sure ask the riders because they're all moaning about the tracks, but have they actually took it to in front? Well, I don't really think it's a. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know if there's anything you can do for the complaints because it's not like it's anything anyone's doing. Okay, Lommel was rougher than normal and it was too slow. Well, it rained quietly. We're having a bit of a bad year with weather, considering we started the championship in June and we're in August. This has been the wettest. MXGP series in since maybe 2012, which was a very wet year. I've never actually been to Latvia in the rain either, which was a bit of a shame because I love Latvia, but it's, it was a bit of a downer in the rain, to be honest. Oh, wow. Look at you. Did you get a speeding ticket? Well, TBC, I guess. Wow. The guy, when I rented a car, the guy said to me, Here are your keys. Please don't lose the car. <laughs> <laughs> And I, st- I, I went, oh, <laughs> oh my God, you're so funny. And he went, no, please don't lose the car. 
Oh. And I was like, um, okay, so you're not joking. I will try to not lose the car, mainly because I need it to get back to the airport. So that's a, a thing then in Latvia? Yeah, don't, please don't lose the car. Like, okay, I'll try my best. Like, I wonder how that works. Like, oh, hello, is this Enterprise? Yeah, I've lost my car. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I've lost it. I can't remember where I put it, so I, I've given up on that. <laughs> okay. I, I try, Maybe it's just like an English thing or something. Just like, look at you going, oh, here's his English people again. Well, I laughed. Losing he was cars. Joking, but he wasn't. Huh. Let's do this again, because everyone, I think people like this. Title percentages. Oh, really? Every week it changes, hey? Um, That's why we're doing it every week. Yeah. Fuck. Um, okay. Uh, Hurling's 30. Guys are 30. Prado 30. Crowley 10. Um, just shitting on Fevra 24-7. Every chance you get, you shit on Fevra. I like him. I like him as a person. Have you ever spoken to him? Yes, I have. When? Uh, pretty much every GP I go to. That's a lie. You are not speaking to Fev. I didn't speak to Fevra at all in Latvia. You're not speaking to Fevra every time you go to a GP. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Next time you're at a GP, I'm going to... First thing we're doing when you get in the paddock is I'm taking you to Kawasaki, putting you in front of Fevra and saying, have you ever seen this man before? And they say, yeah, he's a test rider for Team Green. He's a teammate. You do not talk to him at every GP you go to. Honestly, uh, <laughs> Gemma Pelperfmeister. Absolute lie. Uh, I'm like okay. feeling French. I will go. I will go. Geyser. Yeah. 30. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, I've only given away 30% and I'm already questioning it. Guys are 35. Oh. Hurling's 35. Oh, okay. That's not so fun. Okay. <laughs> so got quite boring now. <laughs> no, uh, no. Guys are 35. Hurling's 30. Oh, so you actually think Geyser's in, he's got more chance for title now than Hurley. Well, I mean, he is 43 points up. Still. And he, is, he will kill them with consistency, is my fear. Right, okay. What's that, 75? Um, or, or 65? <laughs> what is it? Oh, I've got an extra 10, I've got an extra 10% to work with. Cool. <laughs> well, that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> oh, well then, Caroli. 15. Oh, no, because I, I I've got to give Pro, I've got to give Fevra something. Um, okay. This crisis is painful. <laughs> okay. If that was me, you'd be shitting all over me right now. No, because mine comes from the heart and a good place. Yours comes from being stupid. <laughs> you're such a dick. <laughs> mine comes because I actually care about MXGP. Yours comes because you're too thick to even think of the riders' names. You're such a dick. <laughs> That's fucking terrible. So that could go. Um, <laughs> didn't have a sound last week. So. Guys are 35. Hurling's 30. You've done that. Yes. <laughs> well done, dickhead. 
Cardo <laughs> 15. Boring as fuck. Cardo 15. Yeah. Karoli 10. Fevra 10. Yeah, well done you for getting there. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I'm sorry for caring about MXGP and putting not- some real thought into it. Oh. I am who I am. Yeah, you are. You are fucking. Bogus was quietly very good in sixth overall. Very good. Fifth in a second motor as well. I don't know if he's riding the bike of, of the future today anymore. I'd imagine not. I don't know if that was just a one race thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's still riding the bike from the future today, but maybe. I need to find that out as well. I'll Bo- put that on Bogus my list. is getting better every round. Bogus is good. I think I said this last year. Bogus is like the most underrated guy. And I actually think that Bogus has kind of like, I think he's kind of like um, got rid of the stigma after his HRC days. Like obviously after the HRC days, people like you just thought he was complete garbage. I feel like he's now started to change opinions a little bit. That is utter bollocks. If it, actually, I, I the, actually remember I was a the one. I was the one who clinged on to he got second in Mantova in the rain. You were like, I don't think that's really. I don't really think that's something to be proud of. You were like Brian, who? You went for a year of not even mentioning him on the podcast. Mm, don't think that's true. Honestly, you got the world's. Honestly, this is ridiculous. Sewer was a bit. Uh, Sewer was a bit frustrated. I think. Just not nothing's really firing. He said he's not. He's not really. Um, he's not really vibing at the moment. He said. Okay. Do you know? Um, one person you don't give enough credit to. You? Yeah, me and Lupino. <laughs> oh, get in there. He's next on the bloody sheet. Yeah, Sewer's just a bit flat on all angles at the moment, I think. Nothing's really clicking. Nothing's really vibing. Like, I think he's just a bit searching for answers a little bit. But it's weird because Lockett was obviously really good for him. Lockett was kind of like, oh, he's back. Like, he could have won that second moto. He was really fast all day. So I don't know if maybe, maybe it's just a sand thing. Like maybe he's just not vibing in the sand and maybe come Turkey, even if Turkey was this weekend, he'd be quite improved. But I'm going to guess you, James, would think of Sura as a bit of a disappointment this year. No, I think he's done all right. So interesting thing about Sura is obviously like people would look at it as a bit of a disappointment, I think. One podium, like obviously Sura's got quite high expectations now. He's 64 points down at the moment. So the title maybe isn't going to happen. But he's definitely in line for second because we know that's what he does every well, year. Well, I, I looked because I was like, well, he's 64 points down after seven rounds. I'm guessing that last year he would have been like five points down at this point. Nope. He was 46 points down at this point last year. Which is basically where Hurlins is. And he pulled it back because he, had, he was only 10 points down a couple of rounds later. So obviously that was helped by Hurling's injury and the fact that Hurling stopped racing. But yeah, I'm just... I'd say that pr- along with Prado, Sue is an interesting one to watch in Turkey because I didn't really think of it as that big a deal until I spoke to him after the race and he was very, just not very happy with where, how anything was going or where he was at and wanted to search for answers and all of this stuff. Also, add Sue to the list of riders who won't be doing the Nations. Really? Yes. How come? He doesn't want to do it. What, because of the way it is this year? Yeah. Wow. And obviously with Team Switzerland, Tonus is out with a concussion and Guio's, Guio has maybe been the biggest disappointment this year. So like for him, he's kind of like, I guess, what is the point? For Ben, Britain can podium or maybe even win if everything goes right. For Hurlings, he's riding number one plate and 
the Netherlands can obviously win. Like, there's more, for, same for Koldenoff, like, there's more to it for those riders. For Sewer, there's no real chance a of risk. a po- Yeah, so it's kind of like a, a race for himself, but then why for himself, but also he doesn't, re- like, it doesn't matter how well he does. Ultimately, the team probably isn't going to be in the top six. So, like, I, I get it from here. I get it from riders. Same with Jonas. Um, Jonas isn't doing it. But also, why would you? Because Latvia isn't, especially Latvia, they're not going to back him up at all. So, is Geyser ruled himself out yet? Um, I think he won't be doing it. Yeah, he won't be doing it. Okay. Geyser isn't, Feather isn't, Sewer isn't, Jonas isn't. And that's all from the big names at the moment. Crowley will be there, I think. Herdings will be there, I think. Although the Dutch team was announced before it got confirmed that there were no points available, which makes me wonder if maybe that could change. Because that was an early announcement, and at that point, we didn't know how it was going to work. And I'd imagine that at that point, Hurlings was like, well, I'm going to have to be there. It's going to count for points, because we all obviously thought that was going to happen. So who have who the Dutch... Who's, who would uh, uh, in the Dutch team were announced? Hurlings, Moestijk, Koldenhoff. Okay. But obviously, Moestijk's injured. Yeah, but they say he'll be back in time. Okay. But if not, they've got Kyder Wolf, so it's not really a loss either way. No. Lupino got his season back on track a little bit. Uh, there was a bit of a dip there for a little while. A very inconsistent dip, and Lommel was nothing short of a disaster. But that was actually the best, that was actually the best he's ridden since Russia, which is quite a surprise. Almost weird to think how good he was in Russia now, because he's obviously gone back to being very Lupino. But he was, he was good in Lockheed as well. Yeah, but not to this level, I would say. Uh, I think he got two, was it two apes or two sevenths in Lockheed? Oh, yeah, he did get two apes in Lockett. But then that's hard pack, so I guess I kind of look at that as different. I kind of rank it differently. For him to, for him to go 8-9 at Latvia is a lot more like, impressive to me than him going 8-8 eight, eight at Lockett. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> similar to, uh, similar to Sewer, uh, Ben just wasn't really vibing on a day. He said he weren't really feeling it, like his head wasn't really in it. And he just struggled to kind of get going. Like he had nothing about him. Like there was no aggression or intensity in his body. He just felt a bit flat. But if you want to find a positive in that, which obviously I can do. Of course you it's, can. <laughs> it's that he still was in the top 10. So Ben is a top 10 450 rider, even on a bad day. And he hasn't actually dropped out of the top 10 since Russia, which we're all just going to forget happened ever happened. I am concerned that on Saturday, I spent probably 30 minutes talking to Ben, and I'm concerned that I was the one who caused this. Why, why have you caused this? I'm not sure if me talking to him kind of sucked him of all of his, like, life? energy. <laughs> yeah, just I basically sucked the life out of him. Maybe after, like, you know, talking to you for 30 minutes, he was like, he was like you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I've had enough. I'm just going to give up racing. <laughs> All right, you know, he just he spoke to me for 30 minutes and he was like, you know what, I'm done with that, but yeah, let's go on. <laughs> I'm going to sell my car. Is that, hang on, is that why you're selling your cars? Because Ben's selling his car. What a ridiculous thing to come out with but out you've of nowhere. Bought, you've bought the same car as Ben. Slightly different. <laughs> it's not slightly different. You bought the same car as Ben. What a be like Ben. Since Russia, Ben's gone 11, 10, 9, 11, 9, 6, 11, 12, 12, 9, 13, 10. Super consistent. Oh. 
But like, that's good, right? We, you take that, right? Oh, yeah, I bet you would take it. No, I'm kind of saying to you, you're, that's oh. a question for you. Yeah, we've always said, top 10, happy. Happy days. He's doing what he should be doing. And I think normally at this point in the season, guys would start being out of injury, which would kind of like help results, but there has been none of that. So I think that effectively the meter that you judge results off of is the, is the same as what you would at round one when the field's stacked because nothing's really changed aside from we've obviously lost Tonus um, and a couple of guys like Mitch Evans hasn't shown up at all and he would obviously be in there and like, I was actually thinking about that at the weekend you know what let's quickly I was thinking about that at the weekend where would you say that Mitch would be right now championship I, I would say well, honestly I, I think Mitch would be top five <laughs> of course you would no, I'm just saying the, Mitch would be Mitch would be I at the weekend I decided Mitch would be between or around Sewer Jonas Coldenoff Sewer Jonas Coldenoff he'd be in that group somewhere Oh, easily easily top five I, is ahead of Hurlings call, call your jets a little bit I don't know I think and I between think, Sewer Jonas Coldenoff is very respectable that's 6th, 7th, 8th do you know what I, I think the other thing is what we, we kind of um, talked a, bit, a little bit about last week was that I think not having Evans there is damaged Kaiser as well because he's like the lone Honda where he would have been I think Mitch would have been um, taking points off of the others well um, okay that doesn't really like it does okay for that reason I thought you were going out of the fact that he's like not got anyone to test with or train with not like the points no thing no 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 I, I, no I was just saying that um, yeah but no, but that's, that's ridiculous. That's, oh, that's, that's utterly... Hold on. Have I got like a on. toilet flush noise? You're a prick. So, so if, if, if Evans is beating Prado in some races in February and stuff like that, and obviously Guys is in front of him, yep. how is that not taking points off the other riders? He's helping his teammate. Yeah, newsflash, it would also work the other way. There would be motos where Hurlings wins and Mitch is ahead of Geyser. Not many. I'm not sure how you. I'm not sure how you're measuring that. Well, there's more KTM's than Hondas, isn't there? No, but Mitch is his own rider. He's not out there just to help Geyser. If he's gonna, not if he's, saying if, he is. But if like you make it sound like he's just gonna be protecting Geyser out there, he would he would beat Geyser in every motor if he could, and then he'd screw Geyser over because he'd be the one with a red plate. Well, if you think about it, the KTM probably need to um, sort it out a little bit because their riders just taking points off each other. <laughs> If this was Formula 1, uh, Prado would be leading now. What? Formula 1, team rules. What? 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 what are your team rules? Team rules. In Formula 1, there's team rules. What? Like, I, don't, I have no idea what you're getting at. You wouldn't. I like Formula 1. Of course you do. Netflix. Yeah, of course you do. Uh, <laughs> How old are you? 25. And you only discovered Formula One through Netflix. Yeah, the rest so, of my same case, as many other people. The rest of my case on life. Many other people on life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is literally what I go with. Me I and many people. Formula One through Netflix. Yeah, same. Many other people did. Yeah, many. It's a other bit people of a global like, phenomenon, James. Maybe. Yeah. Um, you know that Formula One was around a long time before Netflix. Yes, I don't think. I don't think the sport started when the Netflix series started. <laughs> I don't think that. The Have you ever heard of a guy called Michael Schumacher? 
quite yes, famous. Of course. I don't think that I don't think did that you, they did season one of Netflix and that was when they started to spawn. Did you ever hear of Michael Schumacher though before Netflix? Yes. I knew of I had a very decent knowledge sh- of F1. Fuck off. That, now you're you, being stupid. No. I because no, I know you're being stupid. You've never you had any armor you smarter than a birth question for is, me on F1. I'll take them. Oh fucking no! I, I right next week Formula One quiz for Lewis has to be has to be on current F one though. I'm oh, not talking. Oh. I don't want 1962 questions. What like 2006? I'll take 2006 if you want. Okay. But I all, all you're going to do now next week I don't is swat up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> All you're gonna do now for next week is swat up. Anyway, this is pointless because you never follow through on these things. You won't do questions. So, if fans want to send James questions, that would be welcomed because he won't. But I'll take it on a chin. Don't send them though. On, uh, don't tweet them because then Lewis will read them and write and list, read up about them. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. Formula One quiz next weekend. Next week. Coldenoff was a uh, Coldenoff was actually looking good early in the first moto battling for a podium spot, and then he felt a bit like sick and uh, just generally a bit ill, so he backed down and took it home in seventh, so that's why he faded a little. It wasn't actually a fade, it was a on-purpose, like, I'm just going to manage my energy levels here. And then uh, second moto, he had a freak technical issue, so another dud round for Coldenoff, who's, like, I said it last week, definitely the unluckiest rider in MXGP this year. Just wrong place, wrong time, and just, yeah, just wrong place, wrong time every week, really. Well... Unlucky to a certain extent because at least he wasn't in the place where Monticelli would have landed on him. Actually, Monticelli did take him out in a corner, didn't he? Uh, I don't know if that was Monticelli. I don't know if he would have been impacted by Monticelli. We'll just say it was. Olsen was better, had an eighth in the second moto. That's another improvement for him. But I still think we were all expecting a bit more. Right, you missed out one critical person who was having a very good moto one, which was Flandron. That's coming, James. He Jesus finished 17th Christ. overall. And he actually had an even better second moto. So, how about, how about Tom Koch? Yeah, what, where did that come from? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. But if he can go and do that on hard pack, he might get a ride. Because it wasn't even like a flash in the pan thing. He was good all day. Qualifying yeah. everything. Yeah. Like, what? do we know why? If no, only, not a clue. If only I knew a journalist. Yes, I'm one man, James. No, really good ride for him. He's obviously been a he's been a uh, MXGP regular for years now, but never to that, never done as well as that. So um, it's not like he's a new name. He's been in and out of rounds for years, but um, yeah, that's that's impressive. Uh, Strybos was 15th after Lommel. I got a text on Sunday night saying that Strybos had retired. Obviously, it's Strybos, so I kind of just. What harmed it off? Hang on, Strybos texts you saying he'd retired. No, I got a text oh. from someone else saying Strybos has retired. <laughs> and I kind of palmed it off as like, uh, yeah, of course, Strybos doesn't retire. Like, no. Jesus. So I said to Strybos in Latvia, I had, a te- like, I had a text saying you retired. Like, is that, was that true? Like, was that close? And he said that he heard that rumor too. <laughs> Did did he start it or just? Well, he said he was. He did like he coming into Latvia. He did a week of nothing. He did nothing at all because he was that pissed off and over it after Lommel. Yeah, uh, so he was he was bummed after Lommel, but I don't think that retirement rumor was ever. I don't think that retirement rumor ever had anything to it to that to too too much of a degree. But Strybos does bring us our 
He does bring us out. <laughs> oh, fuck. This is your Planet Moto bombshell of the week. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better. And you can experience that right now, especially coming up in the 2021-2022 uh, winter period. Packages are available for October, November, December, January, February, March, but a lot of them are sold out. So what you're going to want to do is get yourself over to planetmoto.co now, their Facebook page, Planet Motor Holidays, figure out what packages are available and jump on those because things, this is selling out fast. Why wouldn't it? You're riding in Spain. Like, it doesn't need much. It's not much of a sell there. You're getting to ride in Spain. You're getting your bikes taken for you. You're basically getting pampered. You're getting track fees paid for. You're getting treated like a professional. It's the ultimate motocross holiday. So um, obviously packages are flying off the shelves. So get yourself to planetmoto.co. Get yourself to the Planet Motor Holidays Facebook page and figure out your Spanish dream holiday. So I was, um, I was interviewing Ben after the race. And, uh, and uh, every round this year I've interviewed Ben. Again, shocker. I've been interviewing, I was interviewing Ben and Strybos was stood to the side, just on his phone or generally doing something. I don't really know what he was doing. He was just stood, <laughs> he was just stood to the side. I, st- I, pressed stopping, I pressed stop on my recorder with Ben and Strybos went, Lewis, you should be a rising coach or team manager. And I can't help but agree with him. How, how old is Alzheimer's for... How was that? Because it usually like 70, 60, maybe it's. What's Strybos now? He's 43, isn't he? I can see why he's got there. What? No, he just. What? He, he obviously why? heard the interview with Ben and just heard my insight and analysis and was like, wow, I need this guy in my career. I'd imagine he was angling for me to be his riding coach. You, you were riding coach? That's what Strybos believes. Oh, for fuck's sake. And to be honest with you, I can't help but agree fully. How? You don't even ride. Yes, but Strybos clearly wants me to coach him to the top. So I can't, so unfortunately, this will be my last podcast because I've got, me and Strybos, we've got got championships to win. (laughs) Yeah, okay, yeah, good luck. I'll have him training like Rocky tomorrow. We're going to go to Russia, find a snowy mountain, and I'm just going to leave him there for six months and tell him to train. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll Great. check on him in six months. I'll check on him in six months' time, and that's the degree of my coaching. <laughs> yeah, I think Kevin's delirious. <laughs> yeah, just clearly yeah. he's... You know, you know what I say, James? Talent sees talent. It's not, Lewis. I think he just says shit to you to like poke you a little bit to see what you're going to say on the podcast. And then when he plays it back, he's just like, look, look guys, look what I just pricked to say this week. Talent exactly. sees talent. It's not. You it's got not. to think, Strybos has seen a lot in his time. So this is really something special. Yeah. N- um, no, I don't, I don't think it is. I think... Well, you've, you seem to have an issue with the riding coach part. Do you think I'd make a great team manager? Uh... No, because I don't think you're really a people person. Yeah, but you don't have to be a people person. You can be a dick if you're a team manager. Can you? Yeah. Go faster. Why did you let him pass? Oh, you finished sixth. I wanted a top five. Easy. Simple. Uh, Yeah. Oh, 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 I didn't really like my suspension in this corner. Well, get on with it. Fuck off. It's easy. Okay. Uh, This podcast has really gone downhill. 
Would you like me to coach you? No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Vlanderin had a Vlanderin had a really good day. The results just don't show it. He looked good. He was he was a top five guy on the day. Uh, the results just don't show it. He was seventeenth overall. Crashed in every single session. He ended up in the weeds in the uh, qualifying session and hit his head it, a little bit. Hate it. What? I hate the weeds. Oh. And then, yeah, crashed in every session. He actually crashed in the second race and Sewer hit his bike, which is why Sewer finished seventh and not ahead of Crowley. So that actually gave Crowley one more point. But yeah, Vlanderin's coming around. Vlanderin deserves a factory ride. It's going to be interesting to see what Vlanderin does silly season-wise. He's got two offers at the moment. One, uh, one of them's okay, but um, I think he's got his eyes on a factory ride. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see if that comes up because there are factory rides available. It's not... There's this whole thing... Like I said, I said it about Mitch. There's this whole thing of like, there's not enough rides for riders. Well, there's a... F- Mitch Evans' seat became available for the season and there was no one to really fill it. So clearly there's not top, 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 top level riders just sat on the sidelines. There are enough factory seats for everyone. And um, it sounds like Monticelli will not be at Kawasaki next year, so maybe that's a Vlandering spot. I don't know. But that would make a lot of sense. Wow. But there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, things to be sorted out at Kawasaki before the second rider. Van Donick is still riding with a broken rib. Van Horbick, speaking of the vans. Remember how every year I say that Van Horbick starts really well, full of beans. First round's amazing, comes out, makes a statement, loves the team, everything's going well, and then things kind of... He slowly deteriorated. Not look happy on TV. Not look happy. Literally looked pissed. Why? I didn't. Uh, what did they show him after a mechanical or what? Yeah, yeah. Basically, oh, in pit lane. In second in pit lane. Yeah, yeah. Literally, just like hands up in the air, shrugging. Just like we're very, very um, interesting body language. You could say. Well, be interesting to see if he sticks around because remember he's on a two-year deal with Beta, but there's an option at the end of this year and it's completely in Van Horbeck's corner. So, interesting to see if he wants to continue doing this project for another year. But let's not forget, Beta have been doing well. They're in a bit of a rough patch at the moment. Sand is not their friend. But, yeah, no, they have done... As a whole, the Beta thing has been successful so far, I'd say. James? Why... why uh, what's the... What's the talk uh, um, regarding sand is not their friend? Is that just that every time they hit a sand track, it goes to shit? Or is there a known thing? No, just, um, hold on. Uh, Van Horbeck has gone... Yeah, I know. I can see from the results that... 16 DNF, 18 DNF in the sand, and Clochet's gone 0, 0, 0, 0. Are they running a paddle tire? (laughs) Clochet, I said it last year when he got signed, probably nice guy probably not the best suited to that ride. What, you think he needs to go back to Kawasaki? I think, no, I just think he needs to go back to EMX Open. Okay. So, uh, seven, seven rounds down. He's got four points. I mean, what, what do you want? Set five? Seven rounds down. <laughs> See, I'd be a great team manager. Seven rounds down. <laughs> seven rounds down. We're going into the summer break. Biggest surprise in MXGP this year. Big surprise. Um, I've got to say, if, if you hadn't come back from Belgium at the start of the year... And what, if I'd emigrated? February. Oh. February was actually the one person I didn't see ride in Belgium, so interesting to see where you're going with this. Oh, I thought you did say he was looking good. 
No, he was literally the one rider I didn't see. Oh. Maybe it went you then, mate, is my other friend who's who knows a lot more than you. That insinuates that I'm your friend and that's incredible. Ah, true. So you yeah. literally can't get anything right on this podcast. <laughs> Fuck off. Um I don't know. There's not been really any any surprises. I mean That's good, the spirit. Good, good thing we're not on a talk show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't realise Monticelli was going to be this shit. Okay, that's harsh, because we're going to be dis- doing disappointments in a minute. Oh, okay. Um, okay, okay that you've been su- benched. That, that's a surprise. Okay, you've been benched. You've been benched. Thanks for that input. You've been benched. My surprise would either be, I would go with Fevra. I, uh, he's, uh, and Fevra well, I from- said that, you prick. No, I, yes, I was kind of pointing to the fact that you said that I, if I hadn't come back from Belgium, <laughs> I didn't well, even I said, see him right. I didn't expect him to be second in the championship. Okay, that's good. We'll accept that as your surprise. I don't know his teammate. I didn't realise it was going to be that bad. <laughs> More so than the results, I think Fevra's speed is the most surprising to me because he, he is the fastest rider, I think, oh, in the speed. class. Speed. So Fevra, Fevra's pure outright speed is the biggest surprise to me. I'll also give a tip of the cap to um, Koldenoff, his speed and his general... Oh, you're just saying that. His, no, his you're general, just saying week. that to win back Koldenoff. I've said it for weeks. His general speed and everything on uh, Yamaha has really impressed me early on. And also, I would go give a little oh, tip of the hat such to... A such a bum licker. Uh, no, they would be my two surprises. I was going to say... I would say Strybos, but he's had a rough little go. But two rounds ago, it was Strybos because he was really... Um, two rounds was really ago? Impressive what, when, he went, when he went 0-0 and lock it? Three rounds ago then. I mean, at that point in the season, I don't mean that round specifically. I mean, at that point in the season, I probably would have said Strybos. Uh, Disappointment-wise, you've gone Monticelli. We don't need to hear any more from you there. I will go. I will go. Ben? Disappointment. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start rumours now. Stupid people get stupid answers. Twat. Hmm. I will go Olsen. Oh, oh, disappointment. No one disappoints me. They're all I can, I'll go Olsen. No, Monticelli, obviously. <laughs> That's an obvious, but I feel like I can't do the same as you, so I will go Olsen. Well, you can't say Fevre as well, because I've done that. I gave Fevre and Coldenoff, so... Yeah, but you're only saying Coldenoff because you're trying to get back in his... No, I've been saying it for... I've said it after every round of shit. Yeah, he's, been, he's been... Okay. Just because Glenn's my friend and he's not yours. Oh, is this another world so rider that you got speak Glenn. to it every yeah, round? I do. <laughs> all that happens at the GPs is you walk around trying to talk to people no one replies to you and then you sit in the corner of a pits crying because you realise you can't make friends uh, that is not correct Lewis <laughs> such a knob <laughs> you, you sit in the corner of the pits crying into your packed lunch with your little sandwich that you brought from home <laughs> Says the guy who goes to the shop and buys a loaf of bread, sweaty yeah. cheese, and some ham. I don't buy ham. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Two pieces of bread, add some, add a sweaty cheese. Yeah, because I'm you're I the guy. <laughs> you're the guy who takes his pat lunch to MXGP. Anyway, I'm the anyway. guy who goes with his colleagues to the restaurant to have food. No, Why I do you that, have huh? your cheese sandwich. Anyway, that has been part one of the MX Vice Show. What a ride. (laughs) (laughs) That has been part one of the MX Vice Show, episode number 80. Hang on a minute, Lewis. Hang on. Can we please talk about Jacoby's move? 
Uh, that's coming up in Leah. Ask us anything. Okay. That has been part one of episode 80. Also, you should really leave a host into me. <laughs> that has been part one of episode 80 of the MXY Show podcast. Thanks again to Fly Racing, who present part one of the MXY Show podcast. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with a Formula helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, that's AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. There's no doubt about it, the Formula helmet has changed the game. And also thanks to all of our sponsors, those being Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. This is episode 80. That's part one. We'll be back with part two in a minute. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with three Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Prox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 80 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Latvia review, recap, and all of that good stuff. Plenty going on in the motocross world at the moment with the Motocross of Nations coming up. It's kind of super relevant at the moment. Silly season happening, and of course, MXGP. So plenty to talk about. We've got part two of the MXY show that will consist of MX2 talk. We've got Liat Ask Vice Anything, Blenzel Performance of the Week, Armour You Smarter Than a Birth, Liat Ask Vice Anything, and uh, yeah, lots more to come, lots more. As always, we'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Moto Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. This is part two of the MXY show, and regular listeners will know that this is presented by Technical Touch. With an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world, 
the KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. You too can experience for best in suspension, like Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson, and close to home too. Visit technical-touch.com slash KYB-authorized-dealer to find an authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. Take your ride to the next level. If you visit that link, that's technical-touch.com slash KYB-authorized-dealer, authorized with a Z, you'll find many KYB by Technical Touch authorized dealers near you. I think there's three in the UK, all dotted about fairly, um, fairly evenly. So nice and convenient for everyone. It's super easy to get factory suspension for your bike. Would you believe it? Hello, James. Hello, Lewis. How are you? Great. You? Yeah, perfect. Uh, did you um, enjoy part one? Part one was great. I think part two is going to be better as I'm feeling better. Wow, we only took a five-minute break. How did I that happen? Crazy. It's amazing what tablets can do. Modern medicine for you, eh? <laughs> Modern medicine. Uh, how, how are you, Lewis? Great. I, again, it was only five minutes. So nothing's really changed. Feeling frisky? Yeah, nothing, uh, it's been five minutes. <laughs> nothing's really changed. <laughs> so, MX2, not going to lie, I was quite bored watching MX2 in Latvia. It wasn't the most exciting racing. Not... Uh, the most exciting, but I think we've seen uh, something f- from Renault. I don't know if you agree with me. I feel like we've seen something from Renault which tells us he is very capable of winning this championship. A star was born in Latvia. Not to, yeah, I, not I, to I, quote the nativity story. No, I think um, it was of biblical proportions, if you're going to go there. No, I was really impressed with Renault. I mean, if ever there was a, a, a time to basically, uh, you know, for your, for your title chances to disintegrate, it would have been a Latvia and once again, pulled out, not pulled out of the bag, just done what we kind of have been saying that we think he can do. And um, he's done everything right as somebody with uh, the red plate and literally just uh, faultless and got the points, uh, rode really, really well. And again, just his stock keeps rising this year. What do you think? It's quite funny because obviously everyone coming into Latvia expected and tipped Gertz to win, right? Agreed? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Renault went through Gertz in the first race. So like that was a statement just from that perspective, like ignore points, ignore championship, just to beat Gertz straight up around Latvia is quite a big deal, I think. So, and then add that to the fact that he went 1-1 for the first time ever. That's a big deal. He took his points lead to 34. That's a big deal after seven rounds. Yeah, I think... Renault went from title contender to title favourite. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I don't want to say uh, that I was right, but obviously... Oh my uh, God. Because what? you said at the start of the year that he was going to win a race. No, it's more than a race. I said that he is, he is a contender. I'm going to... I've got two weekends off now, so I'm going back through every show. But please. Because it's about time that I actually got the credit uh, what's due. I mean, again, you said he's a contender. That's like, what does that mean? Listeners out there know that I'm high on Renault. They know because they've been tweeting me and talking to me. So I know this is a fact. I'm actually quite high on Renault as well. Who knew that he's actually a very um, fun person? Well, tell tell us a little bit about that because this is what I'm interested in is is, is what, uh, you know, athletes are like. So was it the first time you've chatted to him the weekend? 
no, 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 no. But I just don't, I'd never really like spent a lot of time with him. And I'd spoke to him quite a lot uh, over the last two weeks. And he's actually like speaks good English. Like he's actually quite funny. Like he's actually quite, if, if only there was a website that was there to expose these personalities, um, he'd actually be quite a little valuable rider for a brand in MX2 where there were some not so exciting personalities. I'm looking at you, Yago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, did you get a post race podcast with him? No. So, you just hung out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, 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 please tell us about more. No, about I'm getting, I've gotten some heat about I've gotten some heat about this. The reason there's less MX2 riders on the post race podcast is because obviously I have to watch MXGP. And in that time, a lot of MX2 riders go. By the time I get back, and start podcasts, there's, pro- there's normally only one or two MX2 riders sat about, and that's the two or one that are normally on the podcast. There's normally only one or two. And also, obviously, I then uh, MXGP is finished, and my priority is getting the Hurlings, Carolis, Watsons of the world rather than MX2 riders. Yeah, I can confirm this. The only time you really get uh, an MX2 rider is um, if they've done the uh, press conference after. Yeah, but even that isn't really ideal for me because then after, after the press conference is when I interview Hurlings. That's our routine. Okay. We, have a, we have a lovely little routine, me and Hurlings. Right, right. Okay, no matter sorry. the country, no matter the day, if he's on the podium, he walks out that press room tent and he knows I'm going to be stood there with the microphone. <laughs> it's, a, it's just our routine. It's what we, yeah. we, we, 2018, we figured out that was the best way to do it. Yeah. Because he's then, I've said it before, but then I walk back from the press room to the truck with him and then everyone who comes up to him asking for an autograph, they, they back away because he's doing an interview. Oh, he's doing an interview. So then he, that means he can get back to the truck easier. So basically, you're stopping the fans from seeing Hurlins each week. You're shielding Hurlins from Basically, I'm like his bodyguard. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, no, it's just this is not going to win you any favours. No, he, talks to, he still talks to fans, but obviously if he wouldn't get anywhere otherwise because he'd just be stuck for like an hour. So I just, he just, we just whiz through while, he's, while we're doing an interview. No, uh, I think last week you said that 40% Renault, 40% Gertz. I'm presuming that's changed? No. No. Um, I'm, so you're still splitting Gertz and Renault evenly? Yeah. I, I still wouldn't... Renault, I'm super impressed with. Really, really impressed with. Um, and doing exactly what I think you know, he, he needs to be doing. However, I just still don't think you can rule Gertz out. What do you think? I don't see how Renault gives up 34 points without an injury. Uh, I almost want to go like 80% Renault. Okay. Okay. Like 70% Renault, 20% Gertz, 10% Guadagnini. That's what I'll go. Yeah. I think, I, 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 to be honest, I think, I think I'd probably go, I'd go 40 40. For Renault in uh, Gertz, and then ten Guadagini, and I think Vial's out now. I actually probably just twenty percent Guadagini. I think Vial's Vial's. I don't think you can come back from where he is. From where he is, Jesus, where is he? Locked up exactly. in a cell somewhere. No, exactly. It's like we expected him to come back, like you know, banks back, and it's not happened. Gertz was second overall, bit of a missed opportunity, uh, mainly just because Latvia is his track, and he started ahead of Renault in the um, first race. So I think everyone expected Gertz to at least win a Moso. So yeah, bit of a missed opportunity. Guadagnini was good. He's on a bit of a like up and down ride at the moment, with one week good, one week bad, one week good, one week bad. 
Uh, Lommel was bad. Latvia was good. Oss was bad. Lockett was good. Like That's kind of where he's at at the moment, which isn't ideal for a title fight. But he's still in this. Just It's becoming a little harder to envision him with a gold plate. But he is actually second in the championship. So if we're giving Gertz a fair shot at it, then I guess we've got to give Guadagnini a fair shot at it as well. Yeah, I just uh, on Renault, I just want to, I think I've said it a million times now, but if you're looking for someone to cheer for in MX2, everyone loves a comeback story, and Renault is the ultimate comeback story. Uh, explain. Well, you don't know? No. Oh. So, remember 2015, you've talked about it loads, 2015 EMX125? Yes. Prado. Yeah. Muse. Yeah. And then Natsuki. What, yeah, and then Renault was, what, third in the championship? Renault was leading the championship with two rounds to go. And oh, broke wow. his collarbone. Oh, wow. So he would, have won, he would have won that title that year, not Prado, because his lead was quite big, I think. I'm just going to put it up quickly. Uh, I think, it, I know it was, it wasn't, a, it wasn't like a two-point lead. It was, whenever you say certain things like, I'll just pull it up quickly, uh, I never kind of think that you're talking about Mercross. Well, I'd expect nothing less from you. But you go ahead and pull it up quickly. Yeah, uh, after six of eight rounds of EMX125, Renault was 10 points ahead of Natsuki and uh, 14 ahead of Prado. So, like, not anything little at all. I mean, that is quite little, but I feel like he probably would have won that title because obviously Natsuki didn't even win the title. It was Prado. So, really, the gap you want to watch there is the 14 points to Prado with two rounds to go. So, he broke his collarbone. So that kind of, nothing, like, okay, it's a broken collarbone, small bump in the road, isn't it? Uh, that kind of delayed his progress a little bit. Came back the next year, broke his humerus, nothing funny about that. No. That was his year ruined. Came back the next year, first race of the season, another rider landed on him, broke his humerus again. It's beyond a joke at that point. Damn. And also in that crash, broke his shoulder. So that was another season ruined. So, and look at it this way, the guy he was battling with in 2015, Prado, Basically, Renault didn't race until, the end, until 2018 after that. That 2017 season, where Renault really had some serious damage done, Prado won his first MX2 GP. Huh. Wow. So like, if, you look at the if you look at the trajectories of each career, you can kind of look at what pra where Prado was, and that probably was where Renault could have, should have been. Yeah. And then Renault did EMX250 in... Uh, 2018, got his first podium, but didn't win anything. 2019, he did MX2 with SM Action, got his first podium, didn't win anything. And then last year, he obviously won his first GP, signed a factory contract, and now he's back where he started. Because that EMX 125 season in 2015, he was on Kimia. So he's gone full... In six years, he's been dropped by Kimia and come back. Wow. The ultimate comeback story. If only there was a journalist out there what could interview him. I have interviewed him about this. It just wasn't for MX Vice. <laughs> <laughs> that, this sums up everything. Nice no, for the series. Oh, oh, okay. Who, who else would I? What else? What do you think I interviewed well, I don't him know. for? You've got 15 other jobs on the side now, haven't you? No, not at all. <sighs> but yeah, no. And you, actually, if you go on MX Vice, you can read all about his comeback story in the MIPS moment of the week. Wow. Anyway, that was a nice little trip down memory lane, wasn't it? That was. Back to MX2. <laughs> Just trying to go back to MX2 on my little sheet. But I was Fernandez. Quite... Mm. Let I me feel talk... like I called this. 
Well, remember after round one and two when I gave him a zero percent chance of winning the title. Well, I'm um, I'm a little bit confused because uh, Giacomo came out and said that uh, he sees so much similarities between Geyser and Fernandez. I think that was Rizzi he said that about. Was it? Well, or he said it about them both. He told when he signed Rizzi, he told Rizzi that when he signed Geyser, no one knew who Geyser was. And look at Geyser now, and uh, Joel, uh, you will be our Geyser. Wow. So I don't know if he said it about Fernandez as well, or I don't know if he says this to everyone. <laughs> I, think he, yeah, I think he said it to I Fernandez look forward to well. Turkey when I walk past him and go, hey, and he goes, Lewis, you are our next Geyser. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even ride. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then I look by and he's walked past like a catering woman two minutes later. And he's like, hi, you are our next Geyser. Like, oh, okay. He says it to everyone. <laughs> Uh, that is quite funny for you. <laughs> well, you I made you laugh in the first section as well, but you went weird to get that edited out. Oh, uh, yes, you did, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not edited yet. I think we should keep it in. It was funny. You did laugh a lot. That's probably the most I've ever heard you laugh at something I've said. I did, because it was actually funny. So, uh, VR was fourth. I think we're not giving him much credit in the way of, um, like, he is actually coming back from quite a big injury. I don't know. I feel like we all expected him to jump back in and win. Like I certainly did. And maybe we're yeah, seeing... In, in Lockett, he had a second in that, that whole weekend. He looked like he was back. True. But then this is, I guess this is sand. And if you're going to ride, if you're going to come back from a hand injury, hard pack motorway Lockett is a lot easier on your hand than Chattery, Lommel and Latvia. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'll take that for the moment. Okay. But nothing, nothing stopping him in Turkey, hey? No, he'll same thing. He'll benefit from this break. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back and wins every GP the rest of the year. Do you think, though? No, but he'll win <laughs> 70% of them. Do you, do you think, though? Do I think I, what? I don't know. He'll come back and win 60 to 70% of the remaining rounds. Okay. Should we have a little wager on that? Well, what would you say? Because uh, if you're going to say he's going to win 57% of the remaining rounds, then... I'm going to say he only wins 11 left. 11 left. I, I say he's only going to win three of the 11. I'll bet you five grand. <laughs> uh, should we do our usual 50 quid? He'll get four. Well, I'm just saying he's, he's going to win another three ranks this year. Okay. Yeah? yeah so, if he wins, so if he wins three or less... I you win. win. 50 quid. Yep. And if he wins more than three, I win. Yeah. 50 quid, yeah? Yep. Right, cool. That's, that's like that. Nice. Harrop's really come back in a big way over the last couple of weeks, which is no surprise because obviously I've, I've been a Harrop believer since his Husky days. I really think he can be something. I just think he needs to stop crashing, stop making mistakes, and I don't know, maybe more time with Deruva. Maybe he needs another year or two with F&H to really kind of come out of his shell. But the last two weeks have been good. Like he's actually quite steady, quite consistent, and I think um, after a disastrous start, disastrous <laughs> after a disastrous start to the season, he's kind of um, finding his feet a little bit, which is good to see. The breaks probably come at a bad time for him. I thought Beaton was going to win, to be honest. I really did. He knew. Yeah, I I thought so too. It, it it was looking good, and then it didn't quite work out. Yeah, when he um, what he started second in that first moto, 
And he was very frisky on that first lap. Very, very frisky. And you like a frisky beaten, don't you? And I was like, oh, he's going to... Um, He's going to take the lead and take off. And then he uh, had a moment during the waves. He landed in a soft spot and that kind of killed his momentum uh, for the first half of the race. And I think he was a bit like out of sorts for three quarters of the race. And then he found his feet towards the end and was really fast again. But uh, second moto, he crashed twice. Once not his fault, once his fault. Uh, And then, yeah, eight five rule was the result. Kind of really killed him in the championship as well. Yeah. Because he is significant number of points behind now 74 so that is um yeah that's actually bigger than i thought yeah so i is don't that kind think, of over now is yeah i don't over? i don't think he's going to be your 2021 mx2 world champion damn can't believe you just written off well i actually one bad race and you've written off well no i'm just 74 points is a lot of points okay but then again ama 2010 250s Trey Kennard came back from something similar. There we go. There we go. Thank you for that. Thank you for that input. <laughs> there we go. With a different series in a completely different country and continent. Well, no, just riding, riding. Just crack on. Riding's riding. Yeah. No, but on Fernandez, going back to Fernandez, he has slipped a little bit. He is not the same rider who we saw at Russia and Matali. He's been on, uh, he hasn't been on the moto podium once in the last five, mo- uh, no, 11 motos. He's not been on the overall podium since round two. Yeah, he's definitely become, he's slipped back into where I thought he would be all along, which is a fourth on a good day, fourth to tenth place rider. That's where I always thought Fernandez would be. And he's right back there now. Do you think he's, he's going to get back? He's going to get better? Okay, does Fernandez win a GP this year? I've always said no. I said no after round one. You? I don't know. It's not looking great now, but... Well, uh, you've already given Vial three of them. I do think that Fernandez is going to go better in places like Turkey, though. Why? Well, because of Russia, hard, I guess, yeah. Yeah, because right. of hard pack, and if, if it's going to be hot and, and stuff like that. But, um, to be fair, Turkey is very Spanish. Yeah. If, if, I, I think Turkey's going to be a good indication of what we're going to see from him the rest of the year. So for me, the jury's still out. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be so harsh as, as you to like literally just, you know, chop him. No, he'll be on the podium. I just don't think he wins the GP this year. Uh, I don't know. If, if, he doesn't win in, if he doesn't win in Turkey, then he's not going to win this year, I don't think. What about if we go back to Matley? Hmm. Which there's a bloody good chance. So, could Arco, be- we could have two or three in Arco. Yeah, yeah. What what's happening on the on the whole? You're obviously the rumor mill is that things are changing. So- oh, the rumor mill is that every single race is changing. So who knows? To be honest, I'd imagine there's going to be a calendar next week. I'd imagine but because there's so many changes been mooted. The only thing that seems um certain at this point is that. Arco is going to be either a double or a triple header. That's the only thing that seems certain. Germany's in trouble. Um, Portugal's in trouble. I think Spain is definite. Thank God. Jesus. And, and this is all literally just totally because of COVID. Yeah, there's a pandemic going on, James. I don't know if you realize there's actually a pandemic. It's over, mate. Uh, I went in Tesco's yesterday. Everybody's hugging, kissing. Um, you know, it's, it's over, mate. I don't know what everybody's, I don't know what the panic is. I'm not your fucking mate. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> no, it's just ridiculous. It's like in the UK, it's like people are just walking around as though there's nothing, nothing's happened. Turkey seems like it's definitely going to go ahead, at least. So that's something. But at this point, I'm not even really certain about that. No, is the Tur- track, track not burnt down because they got some serious fires over no, there? No, I think that's in the south of Turkey. Okay, cool. Don't ask me where the track is. It may be in the south of Turkey. <laughs> Actually, the south of Turkey is really nice. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. I think that's it. I think the fires are in the south of Turkey. Okay. And we're in the west of Turkey. We're four hours from Istanbul, a four-hour drive. Okay. So make of that what you will. But no, there are going to be more doubleheaders in the second half of the season. Uh, I think Aguada will go. I think there's a good chance that Germany will go. Yeah, we will see. We will see. But there's always rumours about Matley because obviously there was a chance that Matley was going to have the Nations this year. Two weeks ago, there was a chance that it was going to switch to Matley. However, that it's now locked in at Mantova, like set in stone. There were meetings and if there was a chance, it was going to be Mantova or Matley, but it's Mantova 100%, so don't listen to those rumours anymore. But Argentina and Indonesia, that doesn't look, look strong at the moment. I would presume not. Well, I think Indonesia is really bad for the COVID-19. For what? The COVID-19? The COVID-19. I think it is very bad for that. <laughs> and in Indonesia, if you get caught not wearing a mask, they make you dig graves for two weeks. Oh, that's not fun. That's actually true. If you, if you get caught not wearing a mask in a place where I guess you have to make a, wear a mask, the punishment is you have to dig graves for two weeks. Imagine if they'd done that in the UK. Be like, oh my God, um, I'm going to go and see my humanitarian welfare assistant uh, who has uh, got in touch with a legal counsel to say that uh, this is not right. Well, it's a simpler world over there. They walk around barefoot, loving life. Um, right. One thing I want to talk to you about was my Benzel prediction of the week. Your Benzel? Yeah, Benzel. Blenzel. B-L-E-N-D-Z-A-L-L. Yeah. With uh, Terry Varner. Kyder Wolf, what happened? Nothing. He's a r- People need to remember that he is a rookie. This was his seventh MX2 race. What, you think he's just going to podium all the time? Well, I needed him second to get my prediction right, and it didn't happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember your, specific, your ridiculously specific prediction. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what happened? Nothing happened. He just... He was fast. He had the fastest lap in the second moto. He just made too many rookie mistakes. Hit the gate. Few too many rookie got passed on twice on the last lap of the second moto. Too many rookie mistakes. And he is a rookie. That's acceptable. People have gotten way too ca- like, and rightfully so because he's been amazing. But people have gotten really carried away and kind of forgotten that he is a rookie. Like he needs time. Have a little patience. Right there we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I think that. Well, uh, MX2, biggest surprise. Through seven rounds, heading into the summer break. Uh, well, the easy one's Kaido Wolf, because I, I definitely didn't see that coming. Um, but I would... Um, yeah, it's got to be Kaido Wolf. I, I have everybody there. Kaido Wolf. Okay, I won't take the same as you, so I will go for... You're going to go Guadagini because you kind of wrote him off at the start of the year. I did not write him off. You did. I said that he would be very, very, very fast and then the next week probably crash and have problems and then next week be very, very fast, which, newsflash, is kind of what's happening at the moment. No, you, you, you had this whole thing about um, 
about how well he's going to go on a Red Bull KTM. No, oh my God, I'm literally so. I'm if you bring this up once more. I'm literally going to drive to your house and punch you in the face. Well, first, it's a three-hour drive, which you never do because you hate it. So that's never going to happen. And the fact that you're going to punch me in the face. I, all I said was it's going to be interesting to see what his starts are like on a Red Bull KTM. Not because of him, but because everyone else on a Red Bull KTM, Vial, Prado, Hoffer, are very small. So it would be interesting to see if his starts are just as good on the KTM as his teammates, seeing as he's a bigger guy. That's all. Nothing after. I never said anything about after the first turn, but you seem to have got it in your head that I've said that he won't be any good on a Red Bull KTM. Like I reckon he should jump on a bloody Triumph or something. Yeah, you said he was too big. That's, you're just wrong all the time, even everything. I think we can both tell by your mannerisms and your voice uh, going up octave that you definitely uh, have got this wrong. <laughs> My voice has gone up an octave because you brought this up every week this year. It's still wrong. I tell you every week you're wrong and you still bring it up. I think what you need to do is in this next two weeks is to start going through previous podcasts and get these sound bites of where you think you've got this right. Because I think you're going to spend two weeks searching <laughs> and finding nothing. But, but carry on. My biggest surprise, uh, I guess Renault. I guess I'll go Renault. Because yeah, 30... again, you didn't see this coming, did oh you? Because Some mainly, did. mainly, I would go for the thirty-four because of the thirty-four point lead because that is huge after seven rounds, and especially for someone who's never even had the red plate, that is um that's a bit of a like power move. Uh, biggest disappointment: MX two heading into summer break. Gifting, big things I expected mm. from Gifting, um, especially when you just the way that we've seen him ride in Lomo last year on the triple header. And um, I really expected him to come out swinging this year. And I know he, had, he, he was injured at the start of the year, but uh, it's, just, it's just not happening. I'd be tempted to go Bra-Ramay just, but he, is, he has got torn ligaments in his knee. So I guess you can't really say that about someone who's riding with torn ligaments in his knee. Gifting is a good one. I'll give you that. Oh, I'll tell you who would be... Um, uh, a second uh, surprise. And his name keeps popping up, and I think it's because we've seen him like go from like EMX 150 upwards, which is Adamo. Like, I can't believe how well he's doing. Uh, yeah, but he's been all right like for the last couple of years on a 250. Yeah, but this really is a breakout year for him. Yeah, but I think he's also capable of even more. I don't think really? he's well. Yeah, he's. He's a, he can be a top 10 guy. He can be a top 10 guy. I don't know. I think his, um, I think his rise last year has been impressive. Hmm. Well, I think that does us for MX2, James. What about Bo Dam? What about him? He's been, he's, been, he's been putting in some good results. Yeah, he's always a bit like that, though. He's always a bit like he'll show up from time to time. Okay, well, I'll, we'll leave it there. As always, we'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. Let's move on to the fan questions, the listener questions. This is <laughs> Liat, Ask Vice Anything. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. 
Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which um, offers advanced technology and mid-range price point, is it actually worth checking out? Because it's quite an impressive and interesting product. So actually, it's just quite interesting to see what's on offer there at a mid-range price point. It kind of changes your perspective a little bit, and you're like, well, why wouldn't I have this 4.5 boot? Or the all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology that also comes with free bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered with head-to-toe products. That being helmet, that being goggles, that being gear, that being boots, that being neck brace, that being knee braces, that being chest protector, that being just about everything, even moving into MTB. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. And uh, exciting things coming from Liat in the next three weeks or so. You can get a little sneak peek of what's to come by looking at what the FNH guys have been wearing lately, uh, as well as TBS conversions KTM. Yeah, it's actually uh, exciting stuff coming from Liat. So stay tuned because we will have more on that in a couple of weeks' time. How are you going, James? You good? Yeah, good, good. Let's go. Okay, well, got somewhere to be, have you? Uh, yes, uh, today, uh... Oh, no, uh, sorry, that wasn't an invite for you to tell us. Okay. I don't know, that was a general... You know when people ask a p- polite question, but they don't really want an answer? Okay. <laughs> just, you know, just, whatever. Just okay. Kill my mojo. Okay, well, that's the goal. Question one. Jesus, this may, I may have, I've put a lot of questions in here. Jesus. Qu- <laughs> question one. Schwixter420 on a Twitter. Schwixter. That's the name. Schwixter. <laughs> We've had Schwixter420 has sent in questions a lot of weeks lately. So you've heard this before. I will get you with my Schwixter. Schwixter420. What was the reason for there being only 22 riders on the gate in MX2 when MXGP was like usual? Usual. I guess you want me to take this, James. Uh, yes, so you're going to know more information than I am. I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> How brilliant. <laughs> well, we know why um, uh, Ashton Dickinson and Conrad Muse weren't there. Yeah, well, that's two, yeah. But Asamoto weren't there. For, I haven't actually got to the bottom of that yet, but I think it's the official word is because of injury, because obviously Fischetti and Rubini aren't injured, but they are working their way back, and maybe Latvia was deemed too much of an expense. But then it's not... Latvia, okay, Latvia's a bit out of the way, but it's not ridiculous. From England, it's one day and 38 minutes to drive. So you can smash that out in two days. So from Belgium, Germany, it's only 15 hours or so. It's not ridiculous, but it felt like Indonesia. Like, I don't really know how you can get away with just not showing up at Latvia, unless obviously you've got a reason like Hitachi did, and that being committed to the British Championship. But still, that's only four riders between Hitachi and uh, Asamota. Yeah, so what happened to like the other 10? Well... I guess the confusing, I guess the problem, or not the problem, but the confusing thing is there were 70 250s in EMX 250. So it wasn't, it wasn't that it was a, it wasn't that people went, oh, we won't go to Latvia. It's far, it's expensive because a lot of EMX 250 riders made the decision to drive to Latvia, even though there was a good chance that 20% of them weren't going to qualify. So I don't really know what the like answer to that would be because. So then, so then it's not so much of a question of why aren't riders going to Latvia. It's more of a question of why are riders going in EMX 250 and not MX2? That's the question rather than why, weren't there so, why were there less riders on the line in Latvia? It's a more general thing of why were there more riders in EMX 250? Why are riders choosing to go in EMX 250 over going in MX2? 
I think the obvious answer to this is what a lot of people are talking about. It's a thousand pound to enter MX2. Euros. Euros. It's 300 to enter MX250. But yeah, I, I know what you're going to say, but think of it this way. Your fuel, everything, uh, and, and entry fee to EMX 250 is covered uh, within, covered. say, a thousand euros. Oh. Yeah. Um, you're paying, uh. Yeah. You're paying a thousand euros straight off just for entry to MX2. I think it's something they have to look at. They're not going to, but it's something that they have to look at. They have to make, uh, because. The, this the is what ad- I would like to see happen. Look, the one advantage of MX2 is you don't qualify. So with EMX250, you're traveling. You could be traveling 400 miles, 500, 500 miles to not actually qualify. But people are actually willing to do that because it's 300 euros. People are not going to be willing to do that for 1,000 euros. This is what I would like to see happen. EMX250 is not a championship anymore. They go back to the old way where MX2. You have to qualify to get in, and on Saturday, if, if we ever go back to the two-day format, there are two qualifying races, two heat races, where the riders are split between the two. And then the riders who qualify obviously go into MX2, and the riders who don't qualify go into a one-moto format on Sunday, that being the EMX250 moto. So they still get to race, and that's what EMX250 is. It's for the non-qualifiers for MX2. That obviously opens up. You'd have to look at the age rules. Well, I guess not because they're the same age rules. So I guess it doesn't really. That doesn't really matter. But I think that could be a nice idea. To be but, honest, but that's a nice idea. Thank you. In your head, thank you. But in a realistic head, you have to think. Look at the winners of EMX two hundred and fifty, and even the top five. That a lot of them do go on to to good satellite teams. Um, and get well, good I support. Guess if you did it that no, way, one's maybe... gonna, no one's going to get support in, in position 35 in MX2. I guess if you look at it that way, if you do it that way, then maybe Tom Vial never would have got discovered. Exactly. It's, and, and this is the... They, the one problem they have is the cost of, of entering GPs at the moment. A thousand euros is too much money. Too, way too much money. Well, that's only if you're a wild card, isn't it? Isn't it 10,000 for the season? It is 10,000 for the season, but who, who's going to commit to a whole season? Again, it's unaffordable. It's, who's going to commit to a whole season of racing? This is like privateers you're talking about. Um, with, this is not factory riders. This is not people who get given. This is your, your person who's willing to travel from, say, Newcastle in the UK to go and ride in, in, in Belgium. Mm. You know, that well, commitment, you know, they, they have to look at this. It's... it's they, there's enough money generated now from GPs and from sponsorship to waive, uh, you know, even to like grant people like, you know, have credits like, um, you know, have like five wildcard, um, which people, people can apply for and they get given free entry to a GP. Yeah, but then that's, that's, people are just going to get pissed off at that. But it's, it's, it's something rather than nothing. If it like, at the end of the day, we've just come through a pandemic and people are still having to try and find a thousand euros. Yeah, but in race. front are also losing their arse at the moment on running even the championship for people. Uh, I'm sure they get enough money from Monster, KTM, and no, you, um, no, if you look at if you look at it, it's I'd imagine it is rough at the moment. I'm sure it is. I, I'm not saying that it isn't. All I'm saying is that to boost 
this, you need the riders. But this is only a one. This is a this is a problem at one race. So like maybe this is an this is an overreaction because it's fine at level. What I'm saying, like what I'm talking about, is not an so actually. No, but actually, this whole your whole, what you think the problem is clearly isn't a problem because otherwise it would be a consistent problem. No, I I just think. I just think it would be advantageous to reduce the MX2 fee. Like 500 euros. It's 300 euros to do an MX250 race. MX2 could be 500 euros. It's not as prestigious as the MXGP race in their eyes. Well, there was 33 people on the lineup in Lommel, so that's fine. 39 in Lockett, so clearly it's not a problem. I'm sure it's not. But may, it, it might be for things like Russia and Latvia. Yeah, but that's always going to be a... I guess that's always going to be a problem no matter what because it is like... At the end of the day, it probably doesn't... As much as you as much as okay, you'd say... Okay. A compromise then. A compromise would be GPs which are further afield, Turkey and things like that, then reduce the cost. But then Latvia wouldn't even come under that. Well, obviously it should do because it's, look, it's looked on as, you know, obviously a tough place to get to if there's only 22 on the line. I'd imagine it's just people. I'd imagine it's people going. Oh, I can't really be bothered to drive that far, like because it's another day off work. It's another day of this for the lesser riders. Exactly. So it's like anything you can do to make that easier. That's what I'm saying. It's just make it more financially easier. That's all. Okay. At Bertie underscore VLB is Prado's riding style greasy or just plain dirty? Uh, well, you. I think you got to the point quite quickly with him. He, he decided to come in that weekend, firing all cylinders and being aggressive. I don't think he's. I don't think he's just plain dirty. He is a little greasy, but then I don't know. It's not. Yeah, it is like a little known thing amongst the riders. That's like little. Oh, you don't really realise this, but but I don't think it's. I don't think it's just plain dirty. He's not like aiming for people's legs and stuff like that. So um, no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go that far. But no, it is a little underlying thing of like, um, yeah, if you look, Prado is a little greasy. At Brad Myers 22, can Hurlin still win this title? James, yes or no? Yeah, I wouldn't rule him out. I think he could still, uh, I think he could still do it. I mean, what's the point difference between... Um... 43. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd... I'll, I'll go yes as well. At George Goosage, do you think Hurlings could consistently beat Geyser? That's a turn up for the books because that question's never been asked. It's normally, do you think Geyser can consistently beat Hurlings? Yeah, true. Quite uh, I, when I got that, I was like, huh? But I guess this is coming, I guess this is a reaction to Hurlings should have beat Geyser in Latvia, but didn't. So can he actually do it consistently or is Geyser always going to kill them with consistency and find a way to pull points back? Well, that's going to be the, the whole story of this year. And that's what we're, we're all eager to watch in play out. Is, is it a case of um, Geyser's going to be just smashing the consistency with seconds, thirds, a couple of firsts, and, and so on? And are we going to see a couple of bad motos and stuff like that from other riders, injuries and so on? Mm. So I think this, this year, like you say, with everybody still kind of healthy, apart from Hurlins obviously having the, the freak Monticelli incident, um, we're going to see this play out for the first time. I um, do you think that there's a chance the Hurlings goes on a run when we come back? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. More so than any other rider going on a run. I think I think you got to look at it this way. He started off the year 
doing exactly what he tried to do, which was stay injury-free, stay safe, ride within his limits, and clock up points. That's what he tried to do. He didn't foresee someone landing on his back. Um, and what's happened now is he's had to literally just go, right, I'll tear that up. And now he's got to go on the attack. He, he's points down. So now he's all about attack, attack, attack. So I think what everybody's been wanting to see is now going to happen. So I think the, the second part of this year is going to be very, very interesting when we come back. At Kevin C430, are they still testing the races for COVID? Aren't they unvaccinated taking a huge risk? Yeah, to get into, uh, to get into each GP, you have to take a COVID test up, up to 72 hours before you enter the paddock for the first time. So to collect your pass, you have to present a negative COVID test every week. So you have to do that. And then in a lot of cases, there's COVID testing at the track every weekend. Because obviously, in a lot of cases, to return home, you have to take a COVID test to enter your home country to prove that you are negative. So twice a GP, people get tested. So I guess, is it a risk? It's all a risk, isn't it? Like you, I think you can still get COVID if you're vaccinated. So like, yeah, it's always can. risky. It's like, just not, it's, it's not severe. It's just a roll of the dice. It's all a roll of the dice, isn't it, at the moment? It's, there's a pandemic going on. We're, we're, uh, there's a pandemic. Yeah, I, I, you know, m- me personally, I'll probably win a few fans and lose a few fans over this, but uh, I will go with um, what scientists say over what Dave on Facebook says about okay. COVID. So just put that one out there. Like, I'd rather go with a scientist than Dave on Facebook who's basing his uh, ideology on what he knows. Well, you just, you're just a reader. I've lived it. I'm quite surprised, to be honest, that you, you survived COVID. Yeah, it would have been... If, if ever COVID was going to take someone down, it would have took you down. Yeah, it's quite surprising, isn't it? Mm. But you are actually high risk. I don't really know why. Well, because your brain swell, swelled. No, not that. <laughs> it's because I had pneumonia when I was like 15. I got pneumonia. Yeah. That's why. At A, what's up? A, A, what's up? A, what's up? A, mm. At E Y Y O W Z S U P. That sounded like a song. Eels up. Eels up. At Eels up. Is it time to upgrade the broadcast? Maybe Paul can break down key, some key moments of race one instead of the countdown clock we have. What countdown clock is there? Bearing in mind, I've not watched a GP since Russia. Oh, this is on the TV. Yeah. What, so it's yeah, got, but what countdown clock is there? Well, to, the, to coming up to the next motos and stuff. Well, there's just a countdown clock on screen. Yeah, there's, there's nothing going on. So I, I, I can kind of answer that. Um, with, with Paul and uh, the weekends, I think that's where you kind of need... When you see Supercross and, and Pro Motocross, there's usually like a, a, a race live team, isn't there? Of, yeah, uh, sorry. I'm, so, I'm confused about this countdown clock. Right, so in between motos, there's nothing going on. You see a countdown in clock. the hour between the two motos. In the hour, in, in in between races, everything. Yeah, but bloody hell! If Paul's going to do something in that break when he's five hours on the air in, in well, succession, I was just about to go and, and, and talk through that before you brutally interrupted. Well, no, I just wanted to go back before we moved on. I just needed to get clarity on this countdown clock. Right. Okay. So we we both know the guy doesn't stop uh, throughout the weekend. I think he's still there at four o'clock in the morning uh, recording. 
another show which they put out sort of later on in the in the week. So this is where they kind of need uh, a couple of people who are different to Paul and, and Lisa sort of come in and break stuff down and build it up ready for... Um, I think that's needed. And I think that's what you get with like Supercross Live uh, in America. So, yeah. I, like, it, it, is it Daniel Blair and is it Jim Holly? Jim Holly? Yeah, but that's qualifying. That's not in the, in the three hours between... It's not Jim Holly anymore. In the three hours between qualifying and race... Sure, I'm just there's saying... There's nothing, I'm which I guess saying, is what this is. Yeah, I'm just saying, like in the interim break, if you're if you're paying to to watch it, is it'd be quite cool to have some sort of breakdown or or talking bench racing or whatever. I think there are I think there are advancements that can be made to the broadcast to make it a better show, but I don't think that um, this countdown clock, which I'm going to go and check now because I'm interested, is a Lewis. priority. You're at the races every week. We have to sit there and watch MXGP TV. We I'm want something. What, yeah, but we I'm want just, something. I'm just right? to see what the countdown clock is. You have, you have no opinion on this. What? You don't even know what the countdown clock is. You have, you're, not, you're not even relevant to this conversation. Yeah, but we, we so the people, want something. So there's MX2 Moto 1, MXGP Moto 1, then a countdown clock, then MX2 Moto 2. Yeah. Okay. So you know that, that break where you're running around and you're doing stuff and might grab some dinner or uh, typing up results or whatever? That whole period, we're just sat there on a the sofa. Well, you are allowed to get up. We want to be entertained, Lewis. <laughs> but then you don't understand. Hmm. Move well, on. Okay. At Jack L. Hyde, how is the Lewis Phillips 71 vlog coming along? Shit. I might be doing some... I'm going to try and figure something out in this break, to oh, be honest. It's all talk. Honestly, I'm sick and tired of it. You piss me off when you say this. All talk. And then by the, time he gets around, by the time he gets around to it, he's like, oh, I wish I'd done this ages ago. Uh, first of all, how many, times, you say this. how many times have you done that? Where you like, delay, delay, delay. Do no. it. Oh, I wish I'd done... No. I delayed, I, I delayed doing post-race podcasts by a year, but I was very happy I did that. I, think that was, I still think that was the right decision to this day. We delayed doing this podcast by a year, and I still think that was the right decision to this day. You see, James, some of us are strategists. Some of us are impulse. <laughs> you can't even say it. <laughs> no, I'm going to do... I'm going to be doing some... I'm, gonna, I'm hoping to do some YouTube stuff when we get to Turkey. Good. But, I've heard the plans. It sounds good. You just need to crack on and get it yeah, done. Yeah, but you, like, you, do you do understand that I'm not, just sat in the, I'm not just sat in the press room twiddling my thumbs having a whale of a time. The reason why... Like, no, I you're to, usually sat in the, in the, in the uh, press room procrastinating. No. The reason why... Oh, I've got to go and do this. Oh, I've got to go and do that. The oh, reason God, why... So much work. You don't even... The reason why... Because <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to do a YouTube thing at the end of the races on Sunday night. Or a podcast thing. I was going to do... My plan... I was either going to do a YouTube thing or on Sunday night I was going to do like a 30-minute solo podcast where I just broke shit down very quickly because James wants to be entertained. <laughs> Entertain me. <laughs> uh, and I, I went in with the best intentions of doing that on a Sunday night. Reality was, from the moment the last checkered flag went out, I was working, I worked flat out from then until 3 a.m. and I can't really find any time to do that. So I've got to look elsewhere now to like Saturdays and stuff. So I might do a Saturday preview type thing because Saturdays are a bit more relaxed. Okay. And then Saturdays are when I do my little, Saturdays are when I do my talking. 
that's when I go around and I learn stuff about teams for next year and rumors and like, oh, this is happening. We're doing this next year. We're doing this next year. Don't tell anyone this. We're, we're doing this. We've offered this wider a deal. We've offered this wider a deal. Yeah, so-and-so's going to this team. So-and-so's asked this team for a ride. So-and-so wants, doesn't want to go to this team, but he probably will be going to this team, all that stuff. So I'm working on it, people. Please. I'm one man. And James's pressure isn't very helpful, to be honest. I'm just here. Counterproductive to... is what it is. I'm just here trying to motivate you. I almost want you to come to a GP and shadow me for the weekend. Oh, fuck. Sit in my hotel room and watch. And you're not leaving my hotel room until I go to sleep. You, you sit there and you watch me. <laughs> Procrastinate, yeah. No, not at all. I've been to enough GPs with you. To, I, I could literally write down now exactly what it is to the minute. Not at all. Yeah, 100%. James, people change. Are you, you, know, last you time, better than you know yourself? You haven't, been to G, you, haven't been to a GP, you haven't been to GPs consistently in over two years. I know you better than you know yourself. Which is worrying. No, you'd be surprised. Yeah. You, um, okay. you have no clue what goes on. I can't wait to be blown away. You have, you have no clue what goes on. You have, you have no clue what work gets done on a Sunday night. I'll make sure I bring a blow at Lilo so I can put it behind me when I pass out from your greatness. It's not greatness, it's just busyness. Well, busyness, yeah. Oh, I haven't got time to do this. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'll just sit here and procrastinate for another half an no, hour and tell everybody how busy I am. Not at all. <laughs> I have to I, to get all of my to get all of my stuff done on Sunday night. I'm so I have, busy. I'm busy being busy. To get all of the stuff done on a Sunday night, I have to pre-write a lot of it just to make sure I can get it done in time. I wonder what our bloody dog's doing, Dougie. What? That's nothing. I'm a, that has nothing to do with anything. Like you just see, you're clearly just clutching at straws. You have nothing to say. Anyway, wow. moving on. At Nathan underscore Atwood, with so many MXGP riders not interested in the MXON this year, could we see a first-time winner at the event? Hmm. First-time winner would be... Who, who would be an option for a first-time winner? Australia? I could see Australia. Yeah, Australia would be a good show. If they have the Lawrences and Beaton, yeah. then I could see Australia. Yeah, I like that. Who's going 450, though? I don't know. I thought uh, it's not going to be Jed. I thought Jed would be on a 450, but it doesn't. I don't think so, no. Maybe they just all say 250s. Maybe like, like you can ride a 250 in the open class. Yeah, so maybe just I know that. Jed is... I know, I'm pretty sure Jed is riding a 250. I, just, I don't know what configuration of team and I don't really know who his teammates are going to be I think the, presum the presumption is, is, is that it's going to be Lawrence's and Beaton but I'm not sure how that configuration outlines itself yeah Australia no I don't think there's I was going to list a few but I don't think there's any other option Switzerland yeah no if, if Switzerland could ever have a year where Sua, Guio and Tonus were all on top top form and then they injured. could win but it's never going to happen they just Switzerland are like it's impossible for them to do that and Sewer's not even going to do it this year, it doesn't sound like. Tonus is out of a concussion, and Guio has been arguably one of the biggest disappointments. So, What about Spain? Mm, Prado, Fernandez, Sand, me? Like, who else are they going to get? No, it's, there's a few. Um, I mean... Boutron? Bring back Boutron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not winning the nations with Boutron. I thought it Although Ger Germany did it with Marcus Schiffer, so maybe. There we go. Any idea who Marcus Schiffer is? Yep, I know Marcus Schiffer, oh. yeah. He's around. Oh, was he another one years. you talk to at every GP you go to? Nah, I didn't talk to him. He's German. Wow. I don't know if that's German. Unless I, I start shouting in, in just random words. Lagenfelder. Oh. 
<laughs> You're such a fan of me that you're stealing my jokes. At MXMan81, who is leaving MX2? Beaten and any team that would pick up Horgmo or should he stay where he is? Um, so yeah, Beaten's going up. Guaramay's going up. And that is it. Is that all? Did I? I feel, like I've, I feel like I've said another name in other podcasts, but I can't think who that would be. In other, what? Uh, other people you work with? No, in a previous episodes of this podcast, I feel oh, like okay. I always say three names, but I can't think what do you... I think it's just Beaton and Bro Romay. Bass, Vassen would be going up if he obviously hadn't had his um, injury. Is Comrade going up or he's got another year? He's got another year. Comrade's got another year. Uh, yeah, Bass, yeah. Yeah, it's just Beaton and, um, Beaton and Bro Romay. Uh, and to the second part of the question, any team that would pick up Horgmo, I know that there is interest in Horgmo from MX2 teams, satellite teams, but the worry is, is his age, because he is now like 20, 21. So teams are more, like that's a concern to teams, because like, well, you might as well take a 16-year-old and see what you can do with him over three years, rather than taking Horgmo and having it as... um boom or bust for three years. Yeah, but we've seen a common consensus in the MX250 that, you know, the top riders there, they do get good, good positions on, on satellite teams. So I think, I think Hawkeye will stay where he is and they'll put him in MX2. I'm not sure how that will work because they've obviously got Adamo, but I've how, got how old's Wilson Todd? Not a clue. Hmm. Not a clue. Uh, at CR Dory. FNH Kawasaki can't quite get their form back from early last season due to injuries, dip in form, etc. I'm guessing they keep most Dyke, but do we see now? Do we see new? Do we see new riders joining him for 2022? Rorame goes 450. Do they stay Kawasaki? Uh, most Dyke is. Hmm. Most Dyke, I hmm. do not expect to see most Dyke on FNH next year. What? Do not expect to see most Dyke on FNH next year. Boromay's moving up and Harrop's contract is up. So, oh. they, are, they could effectively clean house. I think their Kawasaki contract's up as well. There were rumors that FNH were going to go away, but it sounds like they're sticking around. It sounds like that won't happen, which is good. But I really, I haven't heard any rumors of them talking to riders or anything. So I don't know who they're going to get. But if you look at it, if they lose most Dyke, they're obviously losing Boromay their only option is to really go young and kind of hit the reset button. Basically have next year as a rebuilding year and start nurturing some talent. Like maybe they could go Harrop, Horgmo, Elzinger, or another EMX 250 young kid. Maybe they could do that, but then obviously that's not a, as much of a powerhouse team as they have this year and last year. Oh, um, someone like Bonacorzi. Yeah, like any EMX250 kid, I guess, is the option, but there's none, no one's really standing out in EMX250 at the moment. Hmm, yeah. So I'm interested. FNH is one of the teams I'm most... In- I've got... I, feel, I have a pretty good grasp on what every team in the paddock is doing next year, like rider-wise, team-wise, bike-wise, except for FNH. FNH is like the big question mark to me. I would text Aruva, but I think he might shout at me. What about someone like Lagenfelder? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what Lagenfelder's contract situation is because there's a few teams interested. Yeah. But no one knows what his contract situation is. And FNH, they do, they do, like, I can remember when they announced Harrop in, in Buarami. Um, that was quite a big back then. So it, it, they've done that before, so you can see them doing something like that again. Yeah, but there are no, there are no big names available. Not big names, but like, you know, 
good eye for talent. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. They're going to have to. They're going to have to do that. They're going to have to hit the reset button, take people who people are going to go. Oh, okay, maybe the goal is top ten, and see what you can do with them. Maybe you can turn them into a top five guy by the end of the season because yeah. there aren't there aren't winners available. At Phil White one nine two, Levi Kitchen is twenty years old, just done Loretta's, and on top of the world with all of the hype behind him. Meanwhile, Jorge Prado is twenty years old, a two-time world champion and MXGP race winner. Is this why Europeans are just better? It's a bit. That's a bit of a head. Um, when you look at that comparison, it's a bit like messes with your head a little bit. Because Levi Kitchen does have all of the hype of the world behind him, and you think of him as the next big thing. And then when you realise that Prado's the same age, and has got two world titles. But then no one really, I feel like everyone thinks Prado's older than he is now. So I feel like it's just as shocking that Prado's only 20. Yeah. I don't think that's why Europeans are better. And I don't think Europeans are better. But it's just different paths, isn't it? I guess it's different paths. In Europe, you have to be accelerated a little more because you get kicked out of MX2 at 23. Whereas in America, you can kind of start at whatever age suits you best. Justin Cooper started later. It suited him best. Well, look at Jeremy Martin just signed another contract for, um, with Stariyama. That's I'm guessing that's 250F in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old is he? 27, 72. 28? Yeah. So that's, I guess that's the difference. There's not... There's a, in a way, in MXGP, there's pressure to get on this big stage early and get moving because there's a limited amount of time. In America you can kind of take whatever path suits you best. And for some people, that's going up and racing pro very early, like Max Voland. Like he kind of skipped a lot of the amateur stages. For others, like Justin Cooper, that's kind of eek this thing out a little bit. And it's worked well for him now, and he's now one of, if not the two, fastest 250 rider in the world. So it all works the same way. It's not going to... This doesn't hurt Levi Kitchen as a rider, but... It is a weird comparison. Like when you think of them as the same age, it's a very um, head scratcher of a comparison. And again, Jorge Prado is a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal talent. So you can't use him as a benchmark because not every MXGP or American at 20 years old is as good as him. So he's a anomaly in this situation. At Phil Mallins, two fills in a row. Will Turkey go ahead? Was talking to a rider at the British on Sunday and he's not sure whether the team will go because they'll have to isolate for 14 days when they get there and also 10 days when they get back. How many teams are thinking it's not worth a hassle? Thoughts? So the Turkey situation is this. Yeah, you have to isolate when you get to Turkey for 14 days, but we don't. Technically, British people had, were banned from entering Italy, but the British teams, the British riders made it because MXGP sort it out. MXGP sort out forms, they sort out paperwork, they sort out everything with the local government so that the MXGP riders, teams, industry, media mechanics, everything, can enter the country and basically bypass all rules. So, that's not like, I filled out all my paperwork for Turkey yesterday, like all of my paperwork that gave it to in front, so that in front can then do what they do with the government, and then in a couple of weeks' time, I will get that back with like a stamp certificate that at border control, I hand it over and they go, okay, you don't have to quarantine. Sometimes the borders call bullshit on it. That's happened a few times this year but you've just got to stand your ground to these bullies. <laughs> uh, also, coming back from Latvia, I again got asked, what is the purpose of your visit to the UK? 
And I, j- I literally just was like, st- I just said to go to my house. I want to go home. I, just, I, I didn't even say to go home. I just said to go to my house because like, what do you, I literally looked at her like, not again. Like, not again. <laughs> do one. <laughs> Did you roll your eyes at her? Yeah, big time. Because she asked a lot of stupid questions. Like, my boarding pass said on it, one bag paid for. And then she went to me, have you paid for this bag? And I just went to her, if you look at my boarding pass, you'll see what I have. And then she was like, have you taken a COVID test? And I was like, yes, I gave that to you two minutes ago. You just read it. Like, and then, oh, what's the purpose of your visit to go to the UK? And at that point, I was just like, I'm done with you. Anyway, <laughs> and yes, the biggest problem is coming back from, the U- uh, from Turkey to the UK, you have to isolate in a hotel room for... 10 days at £2,300 per person. That is the biggest problem because there's no way that MXGP, no one can control that. There's no way to get around that. There is literally no way. So anyone coming from Turkey to the UK has to do that. And it's unlikely to change before the GP. Less of a problem for people like me because I can technically not come back to England. More of a problem for people like the British teams and riders because there is a British championship round five days after the second Turkey race. So they can't afford to quarantine, but they have to get into England. So that's the problem for British teams and riders and why most likely Simpson and guys like that probably won't go to Turkey unless those rules change. For myself, not that anyone cares or asks, I'm looking at going from Turkey straight to Sardinia or Turkey to Belgium, one of those two. Because that way, I'm spending my 10 days of quarantine in Belgium or Sardinia, and no one cares there about Turkey. So, happy days. But obviously, if you're racing or committed to the British Championship the following weekend, you can't do that. There's literally no way around it. So, there's a, that's, that is a tricky thing. But on the whole, Turkey will go ahead because that's a, that's a problem that affects four riders. Not even that. Three riders. Well, four, I guess. Four riders, and none of them are title winners, none of them are GP winners at the moment. So it's not like hurlings can't go to Turkey. And, if, and actually, as far as MXGP would be concerned, it's like they, well, they don't care about riders making it back for the British Championship because that's not their product. They've, they've sorted it all out for, so that everyone can go to Turkey and race. So as far as MXGP are concerned, they've done their bit, which they have, and they do it well. So... Like they've made it so that we can all go to Turkey and have a jolly good time. So, so Turkey will go ahead, yes, for that reason. It's all fine. It's just for coming back to England that's a problem. Happy with that explanation, James? Yeah, I think, I think my battery on my laptop ran out of power uh, whilst you were going through your explanation. But yeah, yeah, great. Moving on to the final question, and Liat asked for us anything. Thanks to Liat. Uh, keep an eye out on the at official Liat social media channels moving forward. Big things coming from our friends at Liat moving forward. Uh, exciting times indeed. If Kawasaki are likely, asks Chris United 93, if Kawasaki are likely to drop Monticelli after this season, is it likely that they take Beaton to run alongside Fevera or do they go to one rider route as wanted before? KRT or Ice One Kawasaki or whatever you want to, I don't even know what it will be called. I guess it'll be KRT still. Still Kawasaki racing team. Interesting what they're going to do because it, is, it does sound like Monticelli won't go there. I did actually think to myself the other day, Beaton wouldn't be a bad choice for a second rider there. But it's by no means confirmed that Fevra's going there. He does have a very nice offer from them, but he does have a second option, as mentioned last week. And I now know what that is. And it now sounds like Fevra is very interested in that second option. So I would, I would say right now, I would, right now I would bet that Fevra does go to Kawasaki. 
but I would bet I would put it as like a 60 40 split. It's I wouldn't go like 90% chance Fevra ends up a Kawasaki. So we will see what happens there because the biggest thing is if they don't get Fevra, what do they do? Because there's Fevra is the last race winner, GP winner, title guy up for grabs. If they don't get Fevra, then they're going to have to go racing with two top 10 guys, i.e. Vlandering and Beaton, which isn't a bad team, but obviously Kawasaki want to win. So they need one winner. A Fevra and Vlandering team would be an ideal factory team. I would, I would think in my little head that Vlandering would be a logical choice for Kawasaki's second seat. But then I would have thought that last year as well. So who knows? Any thoughts, James? Yeah, I think uh, Vlandering's a solid choice for, um, for Kawasaki. I'm not sure about who he'd get paired with. It would be interesting to... Is Olsen on a one-year deal? No, Olsen's under contract with Austria. Oh, okay. So, for a second um, year. Right, no problem. So that's uh, ruled out. Um, Solace, if they can't get Remain, then uh, I think there's... Who, who else would they have? Um, it's just that's not, what I mean. It's, yes. uh, it's, you are going Vlandering beaten, Vlandering... Vlandering would be the best guy. But you're going Vlandering beaten, Vlandering Jazakonis, Vlandering... Uh, I can't even think of anyone else. Uh, Van Donick? I don't know. Like Strybos? Might as well. Uh, yeah, it's a difficult one. Hey, well, the, the only other thing what you've got is you've, you've got Watson on a one-year deal. No, he's on a... Well, he's on one year with an option. Okay. But if they don't exercise that option... Yeah, it's the team's side. It's the team's option. So. Okay. But if the team doesn't um, take that option, then... Um, be, I will be personally offended. Sure, but Vlander and Watson on a, on a factory Kawasaki are two riders they could really build that team around. Put them, mm. on, put them on long-term contracts and, you know, watch them grow. Mm. Thanks for that input, James. Ah, no worries. So polite. You're such a polite young man. You've been raised well. Thank you. That concludes, Liat Ask Vice. I feel like there was a lot of questions there, but that does, um, that does conclude Liat Ask Vice Anything. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology that comes with free bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive, extensive line of off-road gear on liat.com. That's L-E-A-T-T.com. That's C-O-M. Right, let's go to a break. We'll come back with part three. Uh, as always, we'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Props Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. That's part two. We've done part one. We've done part two. We'll be back for part three. See you in two. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. 
Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's four-line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's four-line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Instagram. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to part three of episode 80 of the MX Vice Show podcast, the number one podcast for breaking down all things MXGP and European motocross. Uh, as always, we would like to thank Fly Racing. You would have seen Comrade Muse dominate the British Championship using Fly Racing gear and the Formula helmet in um, the British Championship this past weekend. Liat. F&H riders use the gear and boots. Exciting to keep an eye on what the F&H riders are wearing at the moment because they're an exciting things to come from Liat. Planet Moto holidays. Go to Spain, ride your bike. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Visit planetmoto.co or Planet Moto holidays on social media. Prox racing parts. If you're not factory and you want to be factory, choose Prox. Cost effective and the best solution for your bike, no matter the bike, year, model, or any of that stuff. Technical Touch and KYB, get factory suspension in your country. Yes, your country. There are authorized dealers near you right now. Even Strokes, James Burfield. MXGP TV, you won't be using that for a couple of weeks, but you will be soon because we're going racing with a doubleheader in Turkey. Backyard Design UK, Tommy Sell. Asterix Knee Braces, Tim Geyser took them to a GP win in Latvia. Armour Nutrition, well, the only way that Conrad could have sprinted to a 1 minute 12 second lead in the second moto at the British Championship was because he was fueled by Armour Nutrition. And Blenzel Oils, it's a resurgence, I tell you, a resurgence. Blenzel Oils are making moves in motocross, and we'd like to thank them, along with all of those other sponsors, for their support of the MX Fly Show podcast. Part three of the MX Fly Show, the final part, is presented to you by Prox Performance Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. And if you're wondering whether Prox is the right thing to your bike, just look at the magnitude of MXGP teams that they have um, on different manufacturers. You've got Honda SR, Honda. You've got FNH Kawasaki, Kawasaki. You've got um, Dixon Kawasaki. You've got... Uh, SS24 KTM, you've got, um, oh, what's the Talviku's EMX250 team? I've forgotten the name, the name's escaping me, Husqvarna. Many, 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 many teams choose Prox, and that's because it's the right solution for every single bike. If you're not factory and you want to be factory, choose Prox. James. Yes, Lewis. Wow, that was delayed. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I was just uh, researching funny uh, pictures uh, to send you uh, to distract you on your um, Washington doing podcast. So oh, brilliant! Uh, Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Are we doing Blenzel performance? Yeah, we better week? do that. Because Hold on. Let me get the. Um, there is a lot of confusion with what Blenzel. Why? Because I thought I chose Cade Wolf. Yeah, but you also are always wrong on everything, so this is no surprise. It would have been more of a surprise if you were right. Uh, is there someone at the door because I can hear Dougie? Um, I think that'll be fine. Okay. Is Dougie okay? 
Oh, time will tell. Okay. Uh, you are treating him well. Time will tell. How old's Dougie now? That doesn't matter. What were you saying about Kaida Wolf? Uh, I said that uh, I believed he was going to get a 2-2, but I didn't actually pick him in my Benzel. Uh, no, at all. Week. No. We're definitely going to be keeping you on a tighter leash from now on. I don't... Why? Well, because we took you off of hosting duties and you're still making mistakes as a co-host. So now you're going to be a co-host with super supervision. This is a slippery slope you're going down. People are going to start thinking this is like you're getting a bit of a communist, aren't you? Yes. A dictator. That's what I want people to believe. It's the truth. Jesus Christ. I give you a script before each podcast. You say what I want you to say. We move on. For someone who likes as communist as you and you don't want to go to Russia, I find it absolutely mind-blowing. Well, I tell you, James, you say it's a slippery slope. I'm going to reveal something to you. At the bottom of this slippery slope is you leaving MX Vice. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's you in tights. <laughs> no, the bottom of the slippery slope is you leaving MX Vice. That's what we're sliding towards. <laughs> uh, still go with tights. Okay. Blenzel performance of the week. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Castor Oil has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2022 Stroke World Championship using Blenzel, nothing outlubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop for Blenzel's full line of two-stroke and four-stroke racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow at Blenzel on Instagram. That's B-L-E-N-D-Z-A-L-L. That's B for Botocross, L for Lotocross, E for Iotocross, N for Notocross, D for Dotocross, Z for Zotocross, A for Aotocross, L for Lotocross, and L for Lotocross. That makes no sense. <laughs> I just took motocross and changed it to the letters. No shit. <laughs> I don't know, Josh. You struggle, so I just thought I'd spell it out for you. At Blenzel on Instagram. Give them a follow. It's a resurgence, I tell you. So you're going to want to get involved. Don't miss out. So, James, would you like me to tell you what you picked last week? For the first I time, I, picked, I actually wrote everybody. them down. You did not tell everybody. I did. I've got them in front of me. <laughs> James Burfield, for your MXGP prediction, you picked Geyser 1-1. Incorrect. And you predict... You predict... <laughs> <laughs> you, you picked Maxime Renault second overall in MX2. Also wrong. Nothing, no surprises there. You're so always basically, wrong. Basically, I got the wrong positions. No, because they both won. Okay. <laughs> did, I say, did I say guys are second overall? No, you said guys are 1-1. One, one. Wow. Which, and he got 2-2. Okay. Two, two yes. I said, Fevra wins again. The funny thing is, even though that isn't true, I still believe it. <laughs> like We now have results and that wasn't actually true. I still believe it. And we have... Oh, I had Gertz 1-1. One, one, so, also wrong. So, if, if we had just switched our MX2 predictions around so that you'd gone Renault 1-1 one, one, and I'd gone Gertz second overall, we'd have nailed it. it is, yeah. So between us, you can make one good prediction. If you merge them together. Yeah. So, um, no, nil poir, nil poir, unfortunately. Okay. Nil poir. But, Unadilla this weekend. Oh, okay. What 450MX and 250MX predictions do you have for us? What say you? Um, okay, I'm going to go... 
I'm going to go, I'm going to go Unadilla. I'm going to go... I'm going to go... Jeremy Martin for the win. Am I allowed to do that? Overall win? Yeah. Sure. Uh, and in... I'm going to go... Barsha for the win. So I'm okay. going to go Barsha and Jeremy Martin. I will go... I will go... Um, mm, let's see here. I will go... Jet Lawrence wins the overall. Uh, that's quite, he hasn't won since round one, so that is quite a prediction. Yeah. More so than the rider who's won the last two rounds winning again. Yeah. And in 450MX, I will go back Sansi finishes. Hmm. Top eight. Oh, do you know something we don't know? No, just top eight. Have you spoke to Max recently? Mm, yeah. What's been going down? Not a lot. Any news on next year you can give us? Not a lot. Come on, give us something. Not a lot. Did he get the factory house final seat? No. Where, where's that come from? I'm just making rumours. Oh. Not a lot. Oh. So, those are... The problem is I've already forgotten what I said. <laughs> <laughs> For a second there, I thought to myself, did we make the predictions or do I need to still make them? And I was like, uh, no, I think I did them. I think you I did. delirious. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Castor Oil has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top juniors like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2022 Stroke World Championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label Racing Caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop for Blenzel's full line of two-stroke and four-stroke racing lubricants, Visit Blenzel.com and follow at Blenzel on Instagram. Get on board, choose Blenzel. It's a, resur- it's a resurgence, I tell you. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Castor Oil has been a secret choice for many championship-winning riders. Why wouldn't you add yourself to that category? It's a simple question with a simple answer. You want to add yourself, get involved, choose Blenzel. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> MX manager talk or no? Uh, I don't want to talk about MX manager because uh, for, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but again, I forgot to put my team in. I told you at the beginning of the season that you have to do it. You have to remember to put a team in because how can people be expected to care about MX manager if you don't even care enough to put a team in? <laughs> I don't know what happened because I was so determined to beat you that I don't know, maybe I just... You were so determined to beat me that you only decided to set a team for five of the first seven rounds. But it's like, I got so excited and was like, oh, I'll, um, you know, I I knew the GP was on as well. I was waiting for the GP, but it just didn't dawn on me to do the team. It's just like, fuck's sake. It's like, come on, one job. Well, are you going to bother with any more, seeing as you've now missed two? No, 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 I'm I'm coming back. Strong, strong. Okay. Yeah, uh, obviously it went well for you. Let's talk about you. No, to be honest, I was surprised it went well for me. I thought I did terrible. But yeah, it did go quite well for me. So I can't complain. I'm actually in the fight for the win. I'm eighth overall. But it's all starting to get a bit more spread out because I'm eighth overall, but I am 
24 points behind the leader. So it's all starting to get a bit more like it's not as tight as it was now that we're a couple of rounds in. So I've got a gap to make up. But at the end of the day, there's still 11 rounds left. I can, I can, I can make yeah, a comeback. I you can could. make a comeback. And anybody that, that, out there who's missed a couple of rounds and is thinking a little bit, no, you can too. You can do it. I mean, step one of making a comeback would be you really need to set a team for the rest of the 11 rounds. I might start putting reminders in my calendar. <laughs> the thing is, I try to be so strategic. The best, thing is, right, the the best thing is, I should just put a team in on a Wednesday. The best thing is, at 2 a.m. On, on Monday morning, I uploaded DMX manager results and I searched my name to see where I was. And I was like, oh, I'll see if James set a team. So I searched James's team name and nothing came up. So at 2 a.m. on Sunday morning, uh, Monday morning, Latvia time, I messaged James and said, nice MX manager team. <laughs> and I just got a reply of, oh, fuck. <laughs> so even, he didn't even, rem- he didn't even, he didn't even realize. That's true. He didn't even realize until 2 a.m. Well, actually it was midnight English time, but still, it had been seven hours since the race had finished. He didn't even, didn't even didn't cross his mind. Me. No, no. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Such a special person, isn't you? <laughs> just a busy, busy life, that's all. Yeah. But I am but you've I, just, I, busy, busy life. You've just moaned about how you want something to watch in the hour between MX2 and MXGP. I can't do because MX you've got no, team, can I? <laughs> because you've got, no, you've, 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 got, you've got a busy life, but you're concerned because you have to watch a countdown clock you for an hour. You have no idea. It's really annoying, that hour. Well, what, you've got a busy, busy life, apparently. Why don't you do something? Well, I, it's not going to be MX manager because I can't put a team in then, can I? Well, I don't know what to tell you. What would be really cool, though, is if you could change your team in that hour. <laughs> well, that'd be ridiculous. I'll still forget, though. Team France was announced. Yeah, what are you saying? What, what do you mean, what am I saying? <laughs> what are you saying about France's chances? Well, I think, I think that the French team has like put a bit of interest back in the event. Definitely. Musquin, Vial, Barame is a, is, a, is a good team. So that's like, okay, it's not... I was worried that they were going to announce, they were going to announce like Tixia, Barame, and Orban or something. Like, I, was like, I was like, oh God. Like, I was thinking that the French announcement would even make or break the event. And I think it was interesting enough to make you go, okay, this is going to be good. Because obviously, the Netherlands have got, on paper, Hurling's most like cold enough. So that's good. Sounds like the USA are going to send a really good team that's somewhere along the lines of Barsha, Sexton, Hampshire, maybe Webb, something along something of the sorts. So that's a good team. Sounds like Australia are sending a good team. Britain are sending their best. Eh, Britain are sending their best team ish. It's not. It could be better, but obviously Dean's got Epstein Barr, so like he can't do it. So like obviously, if everyone was healthy, it would be better. But. It's a good team. Like it's the best team that they can do given the circumstances with injuries and stuff. The one thing I was going to mention, Lewis, which I think is, is, is interesting, especially from a silly season point of view, is if we get to see Barami take the open class on a 450, because that's going to give a lot of people a bit of an idea about what he can do next year. If I had to place a bet, could you imagine him surprising a few people? I don't know if he's racing a 450 in the open class or a 250. If I had to bet, I would say that Barramay will be on Honda SR next year. Really? Yes. Okay. That's completely off of my own back. Made that up myself, but I think that just makes perfect sense. I know Honda SR are looking for riders, 
and making offers to riders. Uh, it's a French team, and Borromeo was part of the Honda family not too long ago. So He was, yeah, when he won the EMX 250 title. I would bet that he ends up there next year. I would bet so much money. Just makes sense on so many levels. Just ticks boxes, yeah. Team GB should be announced this week or next. America should be announced at Unadilla if COVID hasn't disrupted the normal schedule of what how do they you do think things. think the UK team's going to be? I know, so I can't say. Oh, uh, I'm going to go with, because uh, I don't know, because you haven't told me, so I'm going to go with... <laughs> what? Just, just for saltiness in, I don't know, because you haven't told me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go Comrad uh, MX2, Ben uh, 450, and then I am going to say... Uh, oh, Sterry over Simpson or Simpson over Sterry. Who would have Mark Chamberlain chose? I think Mark Chamberlain probably would have go with Simpson. It's an interesting, like, those are the four riders in the mix, isn't it? And it's an interesting, Ben's obviously a shoe in, so it is an interesting one. Yeah. And, what, and what you do with the other three, because you could obviously put Sterry on a 250. I know that there's a lot of people asking for Ben 450, Sterry 250, Simpson 450. Really? Yeah, that's, that's a popular. That's Why a popular... would you not go with Comrade? Especially with what we've just seen recently in... Um... Because he's not like... He's because of his um, mentality nah, nah, setbacks. Nah, fuck it. Nah, fuck it. Um, at the end of the day, he literally banks back at Lommel and he destroyed everybody in the British Championship. What, what is there to say? I don't know. Right, fuck it. I'm just putting it out there. What is there I to say? Not, I'm not... I just... Like, you can do what you want, James. Like, Jesus, staring on a 250 would be just fine if they do that, which I don't, they, I don't think they are. I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's just my point. It's just my point of view. Hmm. But, no, I, I don't... I, I, um, I think Conrad would be, will be the MX2 rider, though. I don't know, but maybe. But Sterry or um, Simpson, 450. Both, both riders have done... Uh, I think you, there's not much between them at the moment. No, there's not. Um, Sterry's, uh, no, I was going to say Sterry's maybe got a higher ceiling, but then Simpson's had some really good rides, like the second motor at Lockett. Mantova is a good track for Conrad. And I'll tell you what, if Conrad does it, yeah, I think that it could make him because the MX, like the individual classes are obviously weaker at the nations because not everyone's there. So if I reckon Conrad could smash his qualifying race on Saturday, if he does it, and I reckon that would give him so much confidence that that could make for the rest of his season. Yeah, definitely. I could see Conrad smashing that qualifying race if he does it. And then that would like change him because he could win that, I think. Quite, well, maybe, okay, maybe not, but he could be top five, top three. And like, I think that would change his like, mentality quite a lot. But we'll see. I've, the announcement sh- there should be an announcement this week or next, I think. I've heard what the team might be, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, things can change, I guess. Um, yeah. And obviously, can... in an ideal world, you'd want a team that consisted of like Max, Ben on a 250, and Dean. That would be the ideal, I think. Yeah. If everyone was healthy and it was a perfect scenario and it was like all perfect and you could literally make whatever choice you want, I would go and Max could get a good, uh, uh, nice bike. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that was politely put. In an ideal world, I would go Max 450, Ben, ben put Ben on a Yamaha 250 again, and then Dean 450, uh, open. If, if Dean didn't have Epson Bar, you know, in a, in a perfect world, I'm saying. Yeah, perfect. Anyway, world. final thoughts, James? Uh, 
I'm actually looking forward to uh, Unadilla this weekend. That's what I'm looking forward to. I don't like these breaks. Actually, um, uh, someone popped up on Twitter and was saying uh, regarding why do we have a three-week break in da-da-da-da-da. Oh, yeah, I didn't September. put that question in. Yeah, so I think we should probably answer that as our final thoughts. And it's... Okay, I'll read that you... question. Uh, so, uh, I don't know where the question is, but I think it's on my okay. Twitter. I haven't got my phone here. But, okay, um... hold on. Let me find it. Hold on. I know where it was. Give it a second. Because you actually replied to the guy and went, oh, we'll answer this on the show like a nice yeah. man. So polite. Someone's got to. At Paul J. Wesley, 222. Yep. Why is there a three-week break yet having GPs in December? It's and because it's, we were. this was always meant to be a weekend off. Well, actually, no. This weekend was meant to be Latvia originally. No. No, weren't we supposed to have Finland and Sweden? No. This weekend was meant to be a weekend off. Then next weekend, we were meant to be in Finland. And the weekend after, we were meant to be in Sweden. It just so happened that, that both of those races got cancelled by COVID. Yeah, because didn't we have like seven on the banks, then a break and then eight on the banks or something? Yeah. So it really was going to be back to back. Yeah, we were meant to be fin. We were meant to be Finland next weekend and then Sweden, but uh, Finland got cancelled because we couldn't get around. Like I was saying with Turkey, there was no way for us to work with a government to get around the quarantine in the country. So Finland had to be cancelled, and Sweden got cancelled because they could only have fans who were seated and limited to four thousand, and the club didn't want to do that. No, so it just so happens that those two. The two races that have been cancelled were back-to-back and it's made a big hole in the calendar. If they were spread out, and obviously it wouldn't really be much of a factor. And, and it's difficult to just like pick a GP and place it there with two weeks to go. So it's like, that's why we got a break. So it's not really anybody's fault. It's just a COVID thing. Yeah. Final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts uh, I'm actually interested to hear what the uh, the British team's going to be obviously but also I'm, I am actually looking forward to I'm glad glad that we got some racing this weekend with, with Unadilla I don't like these non-racing weekends well there's not been a non-racing weekend since since the middle of May so exactly I don't like them oh. I don't want them okay final are you going for nations still? Uh, yes, I will be going to Nations. I, I, like I said, I've not missed a Nations since 2009 Italy, so um, okay. I want to keep that little uh, record intact. And once again, I'd like to remind you that I have booked your hotel room, but I am going to need to see you do some work to justify the expense of you going. I will be sampling coffees. Okay, um, then I would like to inform you that you need to book your own flight. No, I might actually, I might be rejoining the video team. Okay, that's also not happening. My final thoughts is that James probably won't be of the nations because I'm struggling to see the value in that. Fuck off. I'm going to the nations. There's gonna be I more... actually don't know if I'll be able to get you a pass. I guess I will. Uh, I'll be able to get myself a pass if you can't get me one. Okay. Dickhead. I don't know what the rules are going to be on passes. Why, why, would, there, why would there be rules on passes? There's, it's li- We're in a pandemic. They're limited. They kind of give out limited numbers of passes. Yeah, I'll get as, pass. as per restrictions and governments, etc. Okay. Anyway, if I don't go, if I don't go with MX Vice, I'll be going with Monster Energy. Oh, even strokes might help you out. No, uh, I'll go with Monster on this one. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Late podcast again this week. Blame James and solely James. It will be back to normal schedule next week. Hey, I was in bed for three days. All right, best I could do. It will be back to normal schedule next week. We will have a show next week. This is the thirteenth show in succession. 
but we and there is no GP this weekend, but we will be back next week, mainly with Nations discussion. And then we will have a week a week off at some point in August because I feel like we've done quite well with 13 in a row so far. But considering, especially considering last year when James failed to show up for any. Fuck off, Lewis. This is basically turning into the hate James show. <laughs> Again, you've done it. You're going to get people turn on you. I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. Well, I would like to thank the people who are behind us. Those being Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes. MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. Thanks to all of those people. Follow them on social media. Shop all of their products. There's a nice magnitude of products there. Support them. Support the people who support the show. Not only do they support us, they are also the premium brands in motocross. There's a reason why we choose to align with them specifically. And also, part three of the MX5 show was brought to you by Prox Performance Parts, who supply genuine Replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more and see the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of products that are available for your bike. That's all from us. I've been Lewis Phillips. That's been James Burfield. We'll be back with episode 81 next week. And that's all. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible, visit planetmoto.co for more information. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Instagram. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.